Welcome back, friends, to Nice Grass, Nice People. Very exciting uh, podcast to share with you guys. My good friend Chris Durr joined me for almost two hours uh, covering just a whole bunch of different topics in the world of golf. Uh, we had hoped to have this to you guys, you know, a day ago, but uh, we had some technical difficulties uh, getting Chris's audio together, but we seem to have figured it out. So uh, without any further delay, I, I, I'm very excited and happy to share with you the first episode of the rebranded Nice Grass, Nice People podcast. Let's go. Yeah, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Yeah, I hope you brought your bathing suit. Joining me here, a longtime friend and guest of the Old Golf Guide podcast, and now a regular friend of the Nice Grass, Nice People podcast, it's Mr. Chris Durr. Christopher, it is great to hear from you, my friend. How goes it? Good to be here. Good to be here. Happy to be back. It's been way too long. This is I had to I had to dust off all the old podcasting equipment, but it was it's fun to bring it back out, and it's fun to be here with you talking talking some G on a, on Nice Grass, Nice People, man. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate you, uh, you you jumping up and uh, it's you know and getting on here for the first uh, the first full podcast back man I know we were just mentioning it before we uh, started recording that I think it's been almost a year since we actually got to do a golf podcast together which just seems crazy considering how much I enjoy talking golf with you uh, it sounds like you've been playing a lot of golf between then and now I mean what's uh, what's going on in your world bear brother you play I'm obviously playing a lot of golf what uh, what else is shaking with you. Yeah, playing a lot of golf, working a lot, the usual usual stuff. I uh, but yeah, I definitely have been playing a lot of golf. I'm coming off of a really good summer last year competitively, like my best competitive summer ever. So, uh, super excited to get tournament season rolling again, and uh, I'm excited with where my golf game's at, man. It's it's in a it's in a good place right now. So I'm stoked, man. How about you, man? How's everything going up on the up in the bay, dude? You super surviving the uh, what do they call them? Like the 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 rivers in the sky, dude. I don't even know what the actual term is, but apparently you guys are getting rained on. Like you guys are basically you know, underwater. You know, back when I was a kid, back when I was a kid, anytime it rained, everybody just started looking at everybody and just saying El Nino. And then I, I didn't it, at the time. I didn't know what it meant. I still don't know what it means. I just know there's been a lot of fucking rain. Uh, you know, this is a. I'm not gonna say this is a hot take because, but you know, I feel like I'm in a safe space with you here. You I mean you play a lot of golf? You love golf. You're like me. Um, I know California has been in a massive drought, and a lot of this water has been uh, a very welcome change. You know, mostly to help us not have the state, you know, light on fire every every other year. But selfishly, dude, I gotta say, the golf game does not like this rain. The golf game is fucking over, over the rain. The golf game is ready for the drought to come back. I yeah, as a San Diegan too, we are getting absorbed like a lot of rain down here as well, and I'm over it as well. But I, I keep trying to tell myself this is just a delayed gratification situation. If I can get grass yeah. in my fairways in July and August, I'm gonna be okay. I'll be happy. Well, I can trade it. that. I can trade a couple weeks off here for some grass in August, man. Because sometimes when it gets a little dusty down here, it can be tough. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like other than like you know some nice private golf, like does San Diego public golf get pretty like baked out and like kind of like dirty? Oh, I, I wouldn't say dirty, but like is they're just like. I don't know. Like, I'm assuming it's not that green, but is there still grass out on like the public tracks in San Diego in the summertime, or is it basically just turned to dirt? Yeah, there's there's a lot of grass still, and a lot of 
I mean, San Diego's close to the ocean, right? So like, they, a lot of the courses are close to the ocean, and those ones are always doing fine, right? Those ones always have grass. Once you get a little inland out sure. by where I live, East County, San Diego, some of them can get a little bit of dirt on them. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, they do a good job with it out here. Uh, the rough might not be as great as you'd like. The rough may have some dirt patches in general, but the fairways and greens are always great, and T-boxes are always great. Fair. Fair. So what's up? Uh... I mean, you got a, like a pretty busy amateur uh, tournament calendar. What's a for for a high level amateur golfer like yourself? What's what does a tournament calendar look like for you in any given year? Like how many how many different tournaments do you feel like you are trying to optimally play in each like each calendar gear each golf season? So there are probably since I'm I have now joined the illustrious club of mid amateurs, which has added a couple new events to my calendar, which is quite yeah. nice. Uh, I would, what, by the I, way, what is the difference? What is the difference between an amateur and a mid amateur for the layman out there? Mid amateurs, mid amateurs are twenty five and older because the amateur circuit is basically dominated by kids that are going to be on the PGA Tour in three years. So it's they they yeah. decided to give us real amateurs who have jobs <laughs> a tournament, a tournament of our own, dude. That's great. <laughs> but uh, I'd I'd say I probably play somewhere between like seven and eight qualifiers qualifying events a year and then based on how many of those qualifiers i get through obviously there's a tournament after those so i mean in a in a perfect year i'd play 14 events right like seven qualifiers seven tournaments and in a in a week year i play seven qualifiers and and just stay practicing so uh, i just i just got done playing an alternate shot event which was my first time playing an alternate shot event for the SEGA, and that was fun um i uh, had a four ball event uh at the end of last year, which I guess counts for this season. It was like in November of 22, which counts for the 23 season. The SCGA has adopted a, a wraparound season, much like the PGA Tour. So yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, Unbelievable. But yeah. And honestly, great great segue as well. Because I, I was going to ask you, I mean, with, with as much golf as you've been playing lately, have you, have you been watching a lot of golf? I mean, obviously, I know you're always following everything going on in, in the professional game, but have you, have you found yourself watching? a lot of golf here lately yes me and my roommate have been talking about that a lot actually i have been watching a lot of golf i was unbelievably disinterested with golf during the fall swing and i thought that was an incredibly like foreboding thing i thought like man if i am not watching the, not that i always locked into the full swing or the full the fall swing but i was very uh i was very apathetic about it this fall this last fall and i was like man dude i hope with this whole live situation that i, I still want to watch golf and I've I've found myself tuning in every week to watch at least one day. Between Thursday and Sunday, I can sit down and watch one day. And then honestly, the PGA Tour does such a great job with those highlight videos on YouTube. They're like 15 minutes long, and I just there's nothing quite like forcing my girlfriend to watch those with me while we have dinner to really to really get my fix for the day in. So yeah, I have been watching a lot of golf. Um, I have been enjoying it. I have been enjoying the PGA Tour product this year for sure. Yeah, I I can't say that I'm totally dissimilar, especially when it comes to the fall. I think. Honestly, the only memory I have of anything that happened in the fall on the PGA Tour was Danny Willett three-putting from what felt like seven feet to give Max Homa a win. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything else from the fall. And that's from a guy who fucking loves golf and follow, like, follows golf pretty closely. I don't either. I don't remember anything from it. But then the, I feel like once the season started, it started with the bang. Uh, I enjoyed the century. I feel like the century was super hyped up this year, which I wasn't expecting because normally that's just kind of like an under-the-radar event. Uh, but I did watch a lot of that. Uh, I thought that was fun. Uh, I watched. Just, I didn't watch much yeah, of the Sony. It's just fun to see. Well, watch the didn't ocean watch out there. Much of the Amex. Yeah, I. Dude, Kapalua is sweet, man. I I, I liked Kapalua. I, I you know Kapalua is great. Do you have personal experience at Kapalua? 
No, I do not. Do you? No, I don't, but it's high, high on the list. Actually, one other, uh, a good one of my, uh, a very good buddy of mine, Andy, who's actually going to be, you know, a, a recurring uh, guest on this show as well. He's actually had a couple cracks at the plantation course, and he says it's awesome, and it's kicked the shit out of him both times that he's played it. It's got. The, the, I I never heard the comparison before, but apparently this year they were really using the comparison that it was very Augusta like, and I was like, that is such a crazy mm-hmm. take, but. You know, if everyone's saying it, there's if they're if they're saying it, they must be right. You know. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think given who was in the mix, you know, Morikawa coming down the stretch, Rom chasing him, eventually overtaking him and winning, that was just a really, I think, you know, I think you used the word foreboding. That was actually just it felt like that was a really good start to like the prime part of the golf season, and somehow the PGA Tour has actually managed to keep a lot of that momentum going. Where I feel like. Over the past two plus months, man, I feel like I've been watching as much golf as I ever have, and that's and hey, I I hosted this podcast for six, seven, eight years. I mean, who started this in early 2016? I was watching a lot of golf then. I feel like I'm watching more golf than ever before right now, and it's not just because I'm trying to brainwash my son by having golf on in the background all the time. It's because I actually am like genuinely interested in everything that's going on on the PGA Tour, which is crazy because given all the shit that's been happening over the last couple of years, I I think it would have been fair to expect things to be a little choppy, maybe, you know, more so watching for the potential car crash than for the really great golf. But honestly, man, I've been super impressed um, with most of the tournaments that have been happening so far in 2023. And I, I was just super curious to, you know, see if you – if you felt the same and if you kind of had any general observations from the first, you know, couple months of 2023. I felt exactly the same. I agree. I I wasn't I'm not a live guy. I did not like live. I I I like the PGA Tour. And I was nervous that the PGA Tour product would suffer with a bunch of players leaving, especially um you know, say what you will about the players that left. There were some big names that left, right? My boy Joaquin Neiman, dude. That one's sad that, to see that one go. That actually Super is the one that sad. I think hurts. The, like that for me, that almost hurts more than DJ, just because yeah. it's like, man, I want to see like a super talent like that who's on the rise. Like I, that is really one of the very few guys that live got that actually is like on, in the correct part of their career for yeah, like that you one, know, an upstart league. That that one hurt. That one bummed me out. But so I was I was nervous. I was very nervous about the PJ Tour product. And the PJ Tour product's been unreal this year, man. It's been they've really done an amazing job of showcasing who the best player is on a week-to-week basis. I don't know if they're changing setups. I don't know if they're changing how they show it on TV. I don't know if the guys that are there really want to be there and are hyper-competitive to prove a point against Liv. I don't really know what it is, but I feel like week in, week out, we're getting super high-quality leaderboards and really high-quality golf. Like A lot of these golf courses, you hear complaints about how they... Uh, you know, they don't separate players and, you know, the best player doesn't always win on a week to week basis. And I feel like this year that is, that's all been thrown out the window. I feel like the guy who ends up winning on Sunday is a beating players who are playing very, very high quality golf and then b separating himself and showing why he is playing better golf and why he deserves to win that week. And I feel like if you look down the list of winners, they're, they're, they're examples of that, right? It's all guys that are near the top in the world rankings. They're all finding ways to separate, even if they don't have their best stuff or whatever. And 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 it's just made for borderline appointment viewing for the PJ Tour, which has been awesome. But it's probably exactly what they would have ever hoped for with with the whole split. 
it, it, it's kind of funny because I feel like in you know for most of our lives, uh, the majors obviously always have all the best players in the world there. Um, and then you know, there's always a handful of events that usually tend to attract some pretty strong fields. But I really, I, I mean, I, I've had the exact same takeaway. I don't really recall the cream rising to the top so consistently as it's been the last couple of months where it just seems like, hey, who's the best player in the world? John Rum. Where's John Rum? Honestly, I haven't seen a leaderboard, but I bet you there's like a 95% chance he's somewhere in the top five, if not on top. You know, Scotty Scheffler is right there in every fucking tournament. Roy McIlroy seems like he's right there. I mean, th- th- he did. He wasn't really that competitive in the Genesis, um, but it just seems like Rory's always there. You know, you look at this leaderboard on Sunday. You don't see Rory on the first page. All of a sudden, you look up. Guys are on the back nine, and Rory's two strokes, two strokes off the lead. Right? It's just like the really good guys are just always there, and it just makes it so much more fun as a fan. And I guess we've we've seen this in majors before, and it didn't seem like the leaderboard leaderboards were as consistently good in years past. And I'm trying to figure out. Are, is the PGA Tour just kind of lucking into this right now, or is there something to these designated events or you know the the new format that they've put them together that's kind of at least for this year requiring all the top players to be there for all of them? And I I don't know. I, I wanted to get your take on whether you thought that was something that is partially due to the PGA Tour's actions, or if it's more or less just kind of lucky that they're just getting great fucking tournaments week after week. I don't think it's luck. I think forcing the best players to play together has just a higher probability of yielding really good leaderboards, right? Like, And before, PGA Tour players were always allowed to pick and make their own schedule. And they would incentivize people to try and play. Think of the WGCs, right, where it's a no-cut event, mm-hmm. you know, 72 of the top players in the world, and then, you know, you're going to make money no matter what. But I remember so many times, you know, all right, welcome to the WGC Bridgestone. We've got 64 of the top 72 players in the world. And there'd be like seven guys missing. And you're like, I don't know who like is not here or why they're not. Like Tiger wouldn't go to the WGC China, you know? He wouldn't go. He's like, I'm not flying to China to play in that, you know? So, but I think by forcing them to be there, you're just give, you're just giving yourself a higher chance of, of those leaderboards being super elite. And it's shown that way. So I, I you know, a lot of people like to talk, not a lot of people, but like people didn't like the WGCs for whatever reason, and that's fine. I wasn't the biggest fan of them either, but I think the designated events and forcing the guys on the best players in the world to play in those events and then creating those designated events as like ways to, or like as an incentive to try to want to get into those things, I think is just mm-hmm. going to allow for every two weeks, you know, on the PJ Tour, you know you're going to have a really good leaderboard and you know you're going to have a good event. So, Obviously, the John Deere's of the world and, and some of the other events are might fall, fall by the wayside. But then it, I think it gives more context for the viewer, right? Because then you'll understand this is not the a designated event. This is not one of the most elite events. But then, you know, if, if some guy wins two non-designated events in a year, all of a sudden he'll he'll start to – his name will start to pop up and he'll get into designated events. And then the real golf heads will be like, man, that guy won – at X and Y, like now he's playing here. Like how cool is that? You know, and there's there's storylines, and it almost it almost uh, it almost naturally has this kind of relegation element to the sport that you can follow because there's always the corn fairy relegation and like playoff relegation, but they were just hard and they were 
the turnover was once a year, right? But if you can if you can make you know every other week a designated event, and then you, there's fluidity in who's going up and down between who's playing in the designated events and who's not, you're a going to get a much better leaderboard on a week to week basis, and then b you're going to have a very easy, like I said, relegation like thing to follow to see like who's in this designated event and who's not. Like, oh, Cheston Hadley got dropped from this one, and some sick South American dude is in it now. This is like this is going to be awesome, you know. I don't know. So I, yeah, I, I don't think they're lucking their way into it. I think they actually built a pretty decent model. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole, the new designated event kind of model where they kind of have A level events and they have B level events. I know the PGA Tour fought that for a long time. I, given the fact that they have to find sponsors for all these things, how are they going to sell sponsorships to people for a B level event when it's like, well, what the, and you know, they were kind of charging the same thing. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I'm sure that the sponsors of the designated, events are going to be paying a, a hefty, a hefty sum, uh, especially compared to your Honda Classics and uh, the other, you know, non-designated events, I guess you could say. But I just think this The Farmers Insurance the Open, model, dude, an event near and dear to my heart, dude. Well, Very near and dear so, to my heart. Will probably not be a designated event. So, Well, I feel like the Farmers is a little bit of a one-off because it's not a designated event, but I feel like it always has a pretty strong field. Just because Tiger used to win it all the time, so then it, it was the, it's the full Tiger effect. But I think the further we get away from Tiger winning that event, I think the the weaker the field will get. That's just my which is yeah. sad, but you know it's also you know if if the if my hometown event has to hit for the PJ Tour product to get better, I'm fine with that. Well, I think there's also the thing where there's you know you could say the horses for courses argument because like John Rahm won the U.S. Open there. John Rahm feels like he could win at Tory anytime he tees it up there. So I feel like someone like John Rahm, as long as he's in his prime, is probably going to at least try to be like, yeah, I could definitely fucking win there. I'm going to play. I'm I'm going to go play this tur- this tournament this weekend. And and if you get one or two of the really really good guys, it might you know it might help get a little momentum to get some other guys to a non-designated event. And I think the PGA Tour is kind of banking on that sort of thing working throughout the calendar year, especially with again this tour within the tour, right? You know, there's you know there's the A level and there's the B level. If there's some guys that are big names that are kind of on the cusp and they're going to have to go play in some of these events that they otherwise would usually skip, that is great for the PGA Tour because the the good events are always going to be good. And this is actually going to add a layer of intrigue and kind of, you know, again, the threat of relegation, not being able to qualify for these designated events is going to put just it's going to add a whole other dimension to these non-designated events. It's going to make for some really compelling golf as long as um the p you know as long as the tv networks don't get in the way and actually allow the story to be told it's going to be great i think so too i think so too i'm really excited i think unfortunately live forced a lot of these changes onto the pga tour but at the end of the day uh you know it doesn't really matter how it happened and and it sucks that we lost a bunch of guys to live we as if i'm speaking for the pga tour like the uh, we. it sucks that yeah the royal we it sucks that you know a bunch of guys left, but at the same time, I think at the end of the day, the the PGA Tour product is going to be much better, and it's going to be, I think it's just going to be more fun, and it shows that, and I mean that's clearly showing right now. The leaderboards are great week in week out. I like the guys that are competing. There's they have personality. There's you know a little bit more about them. I, I just think there's I just think it's the PGA Tour is in a really really good place, and I know that there was a lot of criticism with how everything was handled when Live first started becoming a threat, but. I think they are starting to settle into a nice groove and kind of hit their stride. And I think the the strides are going to get longer and better and faster as the years go on, for sure. There's a little bit of a sidebar here that I got to, because it's just been so long since we've got a chance to talk to each other. And uh, I didn't really have this on, you know, some like the the pre-show notes, because 
I, we can't get into everything, otherwise this podcast is going to be 10 hours long, you know, if we're trying to actually catch up on everything since we, you know, podcast together a year ago. When everything was going down last year with Liv, obviously you already mentioned that Joaquin Neiman was, that that one hurt a little bit. I, I, I do, I am really curious, though, about kind of how you feel about some of the guys who left. Like, sad, relieved, funny. Like, I mean, when Patrick Reed decided he's going to go to Liv, obviously it's the most predictable thing that's ever happened in the history of professional golf. But it, was there any, like any party that was like, oh, thank fucking God I don't have to fucking watch that guy on my PGA Tour screen? Or is it, or is it more of the, damn, man, the PGA just lost its its best heel? You know, the, the guy that just, you know, it, it, like anything else, you know, you know, spicy and sweet. You know, it, you, you got you got to have a little mix of them both to, to get that real, you know, if you want to maximize the golf umami, you got to have a little bit of everything. And I, that's my own, my biggest concern with Liv is that they took all of the best shit bags off the tour. And... Yep. I, I don't know, but I, I was kind of curious. You're obviously not a live guy. We've, we've, we've established that already. But I, I am kind of curious, what are your initial thoughts on how the first season of Live went and kind of how you feel about its, about its chances of being successful moving forward? I, when people started leaving for Live originally, I was sad. I was sad everyone left. Every single person, even Lee, the Lee Westwoody and Poulters, mm-hmm. those guys. I was sad. I was like, dude, no way. These guys are all leaving, bro. Like, no, I was I was shocked and sad. Uh, if I was to rank the three people who made me the saddest, it was DJ, Joaquin, and Cam Smith. I love DJ. I've been a DJ stan. I've been standing DJ on this podcast have, for years. You love DJ. I'm such a DJ guy. I'm such a DJ guy. And I was such a Joaquin guy. I love Joaquin. And then Cam Smith, I mean, who didn't like Cam Smith after last year, you know? So those were the three that made me, like, the saddest. But I was generally sad at everyone leaving. I didn't really have that, like, man, now I'm happy I don't have to watch this guy anymore. Now that the PGA Tour, like I said, is in a full swing right now, and we're we're very much, like, in the thick of the season, a major season's about to start. We got the players this week. You know, it's a, it's just, it feels very legit. I don't miss them. I don't miss them at all. I don't even, I, don't, I hardly notice they're there. I, I hardly notice they're not there. I honestly, I, I've been enjoying the golf so much. I'm like shocked how much I'm not missing them. Like, cause again, I, I would fucking love to see Cam Smith playing in these events right now. He's so good. He's so much fun to watch. And I feel, I feel kind of gypped that I don't get to watch Cam Smith compete against the best players in the world because now I'm starting to lose like a sense of where Cam belongs in, in the professional golf landscape. Because other than the four majors, I'm never actually going to get to see him against like great competition. And that, that bums me out. Like, Agreed. That bums me out. But also, like, I, I can't feel that guy made $300 million, so I don't feel bad for him. Screw him. He's, I, definitely don't, know, I, don't, a, I don't feel bad for him, man. I feel bad for me. I'm, this is about me, all right? I, I, I want to watch all the best players in the same place. This is, this, is, this is selfish, man. This is a me thing. This is an us thing. I, I'm, I'll tell you what. I have never been more excited to watch the Masters. Yeah. I've never been more excited to watch the U.S. Open. I've never been more excited to watch all the majors because it's like, all right, you know what? My PGA Tour week-in, week-out product for golf is great. And it's been pr- it's proven. It's proven that it's really good now, just in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. So now the majors are going to be extra spicy, dude. Like, I'm very excited for the majors now. Like, I'm – and then – and. And then if if let's say the Cam Smiths, the DJ, the Joaquin, the Brooks, the Reeds, over the next two years just start to phase out and not even being a factor in majors, it'll just solidify a the PGA Tour's place is like the best place to play golf, and then b like 
you know, whatever. They they wasted their careers. I'm sorry, but at least they made a bunch of money, but they're not going to be remembered. I will be really curious to see how the live thing shakes out over the next couple of years. I have no fucking idea if it's going to be ultimately successful and self-sustaining. I have serious doubts. Um, but it is going to be fascinating for a number of reasons. And we, I do want to talk about this, uh, this Netflix docuseries full swing with you a little bit here, just because it has, you know, we're a couple weeks removed now from it coming out and everybody's seeing it. And I'm curious if it's, uh, you know, how, it, how the people around you and your life, uh, have reacted to it and have, you know, if it's changed anything with friends of yours that maybe did or, or did and don't play golf. Um, but it's funny because Dustin Johnson had a line in this docuseries where, you know, to his credit, he was very candid and seemingly pretty honest where he's like, hey, man, I'm getting paid a, a ton of money to play less golf. Love it. Down with it. Down to work less and make more money. You know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then Liv went in season two and doubled the amount of events. And now he's required to play in as many events as he probably would be playing on the PGA Tour plus the four majors. And I'm wondering, you know, if if the guys really were going to work less, not just for the guaranteed money, is there a situation where someone like a DJ or a Brooks Kepka is like, man, this is actually pretty bush. I, I you know, I, now I got the guaranteed money. If there's a way for me to keep any of it, I'm, I'm out. I don't know. I, I have no idea how things are going to shake out. Do you think there's any chance that any of these guys at some point in the next five or six years are back on the PGA Tour? Yes, I really do. Okay. Especially because... All the rumblings I hear that live the live product is not making any money, right? It's not, it's not a profitable venture. Um, I don't care how much endless money you have. If you are wasting money on something that isn't making you money as a business venture, eventually you get tired of it, right? And whether it's the current whether it's the current people in place that get tired of it, or the guy who's in charge of it in ten years, eventually someone will get tired of wasting money, and they'll stop it. I think, or 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 change it or something but yes i think i was very nervous when the tour first when live first came out and i was like man this could be this could end the pga tour but with each passing day it seems more and more like more it seems more and more bush and more and more like it's not going to be something of, of that's sustainable right yeah and we'll see i could be very wrong i've been wrong once before so we'll, we'll but it doesn't seem like it's going to be very very sustainable to me at least yeah. it doesn't seem like it's something that i'll i don't think live is going to be a competitor to the pga tour for a long time yeah i you know i don't know i mean i'm sure that the sovereign wealth fund of saudi arabia probably figured that this is not going to be a money-making venture in terms of you know actually being a profitable league probably for a couple of years i think for them what's got to be the most alarming right now is not the fact so much that it's not you know making a lot of money it seems to be the complete indifference of the majority of golf fans. I mean, the fact that the ratings are such shit and that so few people are watching it, I think that's what's going to give the Sovereign Wealth Fund, you know, reason to maybe pull back the reins a little bit and possibly, you know, for those, there's a possibility live does not last, you know, isn't around five or ten years from right now because if they're not able to get the eyeballs on it to get people talking about it, to get people thinking about golf when they think of Saudi Arabia instead of dismembered journalists, then what's the whole point, mm -hmm. right? So it's like without the exactly. eyeballs and without the interest, that I think is going to be what could ultimately end live more so than the fact that it's not profitable. And it's just us awesome because, you know, I think everybody, myself included for years, was 
pretty tired of just watching 72-hole stroke play week after week after week after week and something um, like a team format which had been what was it the Premier Golf League the PGL had it floated it as like a way to you know work with the tour I was really excited about that you know Live Golf kind of stole their idea bastardized it and did their own thing and I think what I'm realizing is that now that I've seen a little bit of Live I know it could be a lot better but I think it was a grass is always greener on the you know type thing where it's just actually giving me a renewed appreciation for just watching solid tournament golf, 72 hole stroke play. Like I don't, I'm not as annoyed by it as I used to be. And it sounds, it seems like a lot of other people are in the same, the same bus because what we've learned with live is that people mostly just want to watch really good competition. And like, they want to watch the next generation of stars, you know, coming into their own. And I live's going to have a tough time with that when they're just handpicking guys who are over the hill to come play out the back end of their careers. Yeah, I think you made a really interesting point there the, of being tired of the 72-hole stroke play event. And then when you realize the grass isn't greener on the other side, realizing just how how much a 72-hole stroke play event actually like does what it needs to do. It does a really good job of painting the picture of who's playing the best golf over the course of a year, right? Like, you know, on a week-in, week-out basis, 72-holes stroke play does a really good job of, like, showing you who is playing the best golf and then the year builds and you can gain some context. And then by the time the majors roll around or the end of the season rolls around, you kind of have an idea on who played the best golf that year, which is the whole reason I watch sports. I watch sports to figure out who is the best. I watch this. I watch the NFL cause I want to see this, who's in the super bowl. I watch the MLB because I want to see who plays the world series. I like the NBA because I want to see who's the NBA champion, you know? So, uh, golf is a little bit different in the sense that the four majors are kind of the four different pinnacles of the sport, but the 72-hole stroke plate allows, A, the players the ability to prepare and get ready for the big events, and then, B, gives me the viewer context as to who's doing good. You know, like, one like Tony Finau, who doesn't win all the time, but finishes top 10 at every event, I know Tony Finau's good. I know Tony Finau's playing good. I know Tony Finau is going to contend in big events. Even though he's not winning the big events, the the fact that he can continue to play good in, in that format just shows that he's an incredibly skilled player, and, and some kind of narrative can build around around his skill and around what he can or cannot compete in. So, uh, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. The grass was not greener on the other side because team, I don't really care about team golf. I just care about seeing who's playing the best golf. Totally. And I, that being said, I don't want anybody listening to this to mistake my renewed appreciation for 72 hole stroke play as you know, me saying that I'm happy that this is the last year of the WGC match play because I'm fucking not, I am upset. I, I am wildly, okay, just because I don't like team golf doesn't mean I don't want to see more match play. I still, I mean, I feel like you and I have talked about this on a podcast no less than four times where it's like, yo, man, match play needs to be more of a fucking thing. And now they're getting rid of the only one they have on tour. That, that, that one does hurt. That I do not like that. I, even though I think you would agree that 72 stroke play is probably the better way to identify the best golfer over a four day stretch. I still think match play is entertaining as hell, and I, I, I God, I wish we got to see more of it. I I agree. I do wish we would see more of it. I think this is just a, me speculating here, but I think with the PGA Tour designating A and B events and having the best players in the world play, you know, twenty times a year every other week, and with the advent of not advent, but like with the popularity growing of YouTube golf and Netflix golf and golf in other places. I think the PGA Tour 
can learn to carve its niche as the identifier of the best players by four day 72 hole stroke play events and golfers that are 16 right now like the guy who's going to be the number one player in the world is like you know 14 15 16 right now there's there's more avenues for me to watch him play golf besides just watching the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour will be his way of showing, you know, of making a career and building a legacy mm-hmm. and competing with the best players in the world on a week-in, week-out basis. But the Bob does sports of the world or the good goods of the world or the, you know, uh, four-play scrambles of the world, I, I, get a, I get a really nice fix watching Max Homa play against the four-play guys in a 4v1 scramble mm-hmm. or against the Bob does sports guys. And I think that those things will only become more and more popular as time goes on. So yes, I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the PGA Tour's responsibility to give me funky formats of golf. I think it's the golfer's responsibility because all the tools are at their disposal in the modern world, right? So obviously Patrick Cantley doesn't want to do it because he doesn't. I never see him anywhere, and obviously Max Homa is interested in it because he's. I see him everywhere, you know. So I think they're. If if you can give them a thing where twenty times a week every other or twenty times a year every other week they're playing on TV for the PGA Tour for whatever, and then in their off weeks they're doing those funky little games. The Jordan Spieth one with NLU, right? The Jordan Spieth Justin Thomas at Kapalua, like that was everything I could ever want, right? And like the match play, entertaining as hell, satisfied that itch on the PGA Tour, entertaining as hell, right? And the match play satisfied that itch on the PGA Tour, but I don't think it's the PGA Tour's responsibility to bring me that. So would obviously we've established that 72 hole stroke play is probably the best way to identify who the best golfer is over four days. Do you feel like match play, you know, in a kind of in the, you know, the format that the WGC match play has been the last couple of years where they have pool play for a couple of days, they, you know, the field goes to 16 and then they just, they duke it out from there. Do you feel like that is not a satisfactory way to determine a tournament winner? Like, I, I know you like to watch the match play, certainly like me, but do you feel like given what you just shared with me that you're 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 okay? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But, I mean, how, how, how do you feel with the match play going away? I'm sad the match play is going away. I am sad the match play is going away, but I'm, I'm sad the match play is going away because I enjoy the event for what it is. I don't think it identifies the best player week in, week out. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, for sure. But I think it consistently does it like a four-hole, four-day, 72-hole stroke play event. I'm very sad to see it go. Um, I still think it's probably one of the most digestible ways to watch golf for the casual fan. Mm-hmm. Very easy. That guy's playing that guy. Who wins? Uh, and I think there should be a match play event on the schedule. Um, but I think... Th- to keep the match play on the schedule just because it's the PGA Tour's funky event of the year mm-hmm. is seems almost like empty as well, right? If they brought match play back now, if they brought match play back as the FedEx Cup playoffs, that would be awesome, right? Like as opposed to if they did if like you know, imagine it like a uh uh I don't even know, like the 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 Premier League, right? The Premier League has a season long champion. And then they have the FA Cup, which is, you know, all the teams in Europe play for a trophy. And it's a, and that's like a match play style. That's a tournament. That's a bracket, mm-hmm. you know? And those two things are going simultaneously throughout the course of a season, right? So if the PGA Tour decided to adopt that or FedEx decided to sponsor something like that, that would be awesome, right? So then you do points or dollars or whatever over the course of a season to determine 
who is the best player of the season, right? The player of the year, whoever wins the season long title. And then at the end of the year, you just did like a wild 32 man match play event. And then they called that the playoffs. That would a feel like a much more truer form of playoffs. It would satisfy my match play itch. And it would also, it would, it would mean something, but it wouldn't, right? It would be like, no, no, no. This is like for the FedEx cup, which is just an arbitrary name for whatever, you know, it doesn't the even PGA really mean tour playoff slash championship. Exactly. Like, what is that? You know, but like if they did that, like the PGA Tour play, like, OK, cool. So this is the season long champ. That, that's a just honor to win. That. And then now we have the playoffs, whatever. And it's just a 32 man match play bracket. And that that would be fun. And that's then just, it would then just, that's just it the whole give, playoffs. That's just the whole playoffs. That's just that you just do it over the course of a week. And you just have match play, win, win or go home, and then it, and then it would just be fun because I think that would just be amazing, and then it would also, uh, I think it'd be great, and then it would give every, it'd give us everything we want. I I love that. Um, I question for you: Are are you still listening to the Fried Egg podcast with any regularity? Of course, okay. dude. You're he's a fellow Bay Area boy. Yeah, now. yeah, I know it. So, um, he he had a guy. He's had a guy on his podcast a couple of times. I, I don't want to butcher his name. I believe it's Joe Lamagna. Um, who Joe Lamagna? Joe yeah, Lamagna. I, I, I'm pretty sure he runs a Substack. I want to give Joe credit. I think I think he runs a Substack called Finding the Edge. I'll have to double check. But um, really fascinating guy to listen to. Uh, from the couple times that I've heard him there and on other places, and he has a proposed, you know, playoff format that's kind of similar. That I also I love your idea. I mean, basically just any way they could work match play into like the FedEx Cup playoffs or the championship and have that be. The way that they determine like the overall winner, I just there's just something really sexy about it, you know. Like after all this, these seventy-two old battles all year long, it comes down to this mano e mano. I really like that, and I think he had a proposal where, like the tour championship, basically was the field was just thirty guys, and then obviously, hopefully, you don't turn into a net tournament like they have it as right now, which is obviously a fucking joke. Off. Um, and basically, like the top eight guys in the FedEx point standings after the tour championship then just go to an eight-man match play as for like that's the finals it's like eight guys qualify so there's you know four two one seven seven total matches in like the playoffs and really here's the key have that fucking playoffs now this is me make that on the west coast august right before football season starts so you don't have everybody watching football yet have the round of eight on Saturday. Have the round of four on Sunday. So you have a couple of matches going on on Sunday. And then Monday night, prime time, the championship match tees off at 2.30 on the West Coast, 5.30 Eastern time, and you have mano y mano, the two best, the two last remaining guys from all year long on the PGA Tour battling it out in prime time on a Monday night. That's what I want to see. Is that too much to ask? Dude, it's no, it's not. It's not. It's not too much to ask. It's perfect, dude. Like it really is perfect. And then it's it's it will build the PGA Tour can use this tool to build storylines in that playoff too, right? Like you could have something in the final, like like in the Super Bowl, right? You have the Eagle. Like this year, you had the Eagles who went whatever, like thirteen and fourteen and two or fifteen and two uh, against the Chiefs who have Patrick Mahomes, right? So then you could do that thing where it's like, yeah. John Rahm won five times this year and has two majors, you know, and he's playing some guy who won his first major this year, you know, and it's just like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. Like, you know, they're, you, it gives you context as to where they are in their For career sure. and, like, how 
what the what the gravity of that match is, right? And it's and the PGA Tour all of a sudden becomes like a solidifying tool for creating that context for each player, as opposed to just being this monotonous run of tournaments over and over, right? Like it is constantly building arcs and building and building context for whatever it is that's coming that's coming next for each of those players. I don't know. Sure. I think that's a no brainer to me, and I, I don't understand why they're not doing it. I I will say this: I feel as optimistic as maybe I ever have in my adult life that something like that may be possible one day because you know up until this last year again i was always pretty frustrated with the pga tour and their unwillingness to kind of innovate and mix things up make you know make their league more entertaining um but if anything the last year has shown that they have a they have a willingness to that they are they are malleable you know they, they are willing to make changes as necessary to um kind of really when you listen to a, you know, when you listen to any of their golf shows and they talk about the PGA Tour as the product, I it just like I find it so cringy. I just hate. I don't love referring to it that way, but they do. They have shown a willingness to change, adapt, right, and, and make things as good as possible. So that that fact alone keeps a little nugget of positivity in the back of my mind that just maybe we could have something awesome like that. Um, for the FedEx Cup playoffs or, you know, the PGA Tour playoffs slash championship one day, which would be awesome. But now, I know you referenced, um, you know, storylines a little bit, so I think this would be a great time for me to kind of get some of your thoughts on, you know, probably the single most consumed piece of golf content that's come out in, I don't know, certainly years, you know, the, the most watched piece of golf content that's not an actual tournament itself. Um, I'm assuming you've had a chance to get through the entire full swing catalog so far. Of course, um, I'm just going to give you the floor. I want to hear your just your un w- without me saying anything. I just want to get your initial thoughts on 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 full swing and how how you consumed it and how how you felt watching each of the episodes and after you watched the whole thing. I am a golf junkie, so I was so interested in seeing what everyone was doing. Some episodes were way better than others. I Big facts. did I did not like that it was not chronological order. I did not like that they focused more so on the personalities of the people, the golfers, as opposed to telling the story of a golf season. They more focused on telling the story of this guy, that guy, this guy, that guy. And some of the guys suck. Not a good like look for Colin Morikawa coming out. Of uh, like, what's up? I, I do, Colin Morikawa did not look great coming out of that show. Not, certainly not as awesome as I was hoping he was going to yeah. look. He's not the worst. Uh, yeah, he was kind of. He just seemed really out of tune. I was like, wait, what is going on here? Like, what? I thought you were he normal. Takes his outfits very seriously. You don't seem that normal right now. I don't think that was him. I think that was Adidas because I think Adidas forces him to wear clothes. So I think he's allowed to have say in those things, and I'm I'm fair, I'm fine with that, dude. Because I'm not, I don't want, I don't want, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not mad, I'm not the maddest at the outfit. I'm not scene. the most fashionable uh, guy in the world, but, but yeah, I don't when know. they showed him that outfit that they want him to wear, I was like, that's gas, dude. I like that. I'd wear that. I don't even fucking know what I'm doing. I'd wear that. I did. I yeah. I didn't mind the green and I orange combo nice. either, but hey, man, he didn't like he didn't like it. Uh, I I don't know. I I I liked the full swing. I did overall. Was it great? No. Was it good? Yes. Was it? It was average. Okay. It was average, which is exactly what I think you would expect out of any reality show in its first season, sure. right? Like I can't imagine Survivor season one was killer, you know. I bet it was just like it was just average, you know. Like 
I, I don't know if you did it intentionally, I but you don't, you don't want to get me going on Survivor right now. We, we don't have enough time on this podcast for me to give you all my Survivor takes. But, uh, yeah, go, go, um, I'm sorry. Go, go, continue. Dude, no worries. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. It was fine. I loved it because I love golf, and I love all. I love knowing about all those guys. I think I truly think next season will be better. I hope to God they can figure out to tell the story chronologically. And then just, I think, I hopefully what will happen is that with each season, more characters are introduced, and then you can watch all the seasons and have context on who is who, right? So, like, next year they won't have to do an episode on Joel Damon. They can just show Joel Damon playing in a tournament, you know, and then just be, and then have Joel talk about the tournament. And then it'll be like, okay, cool. I already have all this context on Joel because I watched season one. Or same with Colin Morikawa, same with anybody else, you know, and then they can introduce players, you know, like the Matt Fitzpatrick episode when Matt won the world, the U.S. Open. It's like, great. That's great, you know, it's great, you know, and like they can, you can have an episode like that per season based on whoever wins a major, but to constantly go back to the PGA and we go back to random events. And then do like these character studies. I thought that was a little bit of a miss. Yeah, yeah, I I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't disagree with anything anything you just shared. Now, have you gotten a chance to talk about full swing with a lot of you know friends and people you're spending time with? Specifically, have you got a chance to talk about full swing and have a lot of your friends who aren't golfers watched full swing? Because I'm curious if you have what their feedback has been when they're trying to discuss it with you, Krister. The golf sicko. The golf the golf sicko is a good way to describe me. I actually don't. I I am such a golf sicko. Most of my friends play golf, so everyone's got pretty similar takes. I don't have anybody that like is not a golf guy that has watched it that I've talked to yet. Um, so I don't really know how it's generally being received by the by the non golf fans. Um, so I, I really don't know. Most of my golf buddies feel very similar the way I do about it. They, they don't really, no one loved it. No one hated it. It just was what it was, you know, yeah. but I don't know about non-golf guys. Have you talked to non-golf people about it? Like, I have. did you watch it with your wife or anything? So what did, what did she well, say? Or like, or what did they, what did they say? You know, my wife is, she's a special lady, you know, in, in, in many ways. And she's very, uh, I don't, I don't know if you have this with your significant other, but if I really, really like something. She definitely makes like a, a concentrated effort to be like, "That sucks. You're lame. Get a fucking life." You know, she yeah. she really like she she yeah. really takes me down a peg or two. You know, most of the time, justifiably so. But um, so she's actually not the one that you know I, I've had. She's not one of the people that I've had a chance to talk to. But this past weekend, um, one of my wife's really good friends uh, from college, her and her husband came down with their little boy, um, who's you know in a similar age to to my son. And they came down for like a long weekend. Now, the husband is a really, really sweet guy, but he he's one of those crazy dudes that just doesn't watch sports. Like again, oh I, my God. I I don't know how oh I don't know how you do it. I mean, to, to be fair, he has time to read a lot of books. He you know he grows mushrooms. He goes he, he does all kinds of cool ass shit that I guess guys like you and me maybe would consider doing if we didn't have sports taking up however many dozens of hours of our lives every single week. Um, he did like it. it's funny because he brought it up. We were just kind of hanging out. We were having dinner. I think we were drinking a little wine. And he goes, "Hey Kyle, have you been watching that show Full Swing on Netflix?" And I was like, "I mean, dude, I, I fucking yeah, I live and breathe golf. Of course I have." Like, but the question is, have you been watching Full Swing on Netflix? And his reaction was, "Dude, yes, it's amazing. Like, I just I, the the 
the stories behind these golfers out there, I just never knew. And like, I honestly had no idea about like the cuts, how the guys don't make any money if they don't get past like the second day. Like the game itself is just like, he's like, there's just so much stuff I just didn't know. And it's really cool to have some context. And then sure enough, you know, like the last day that he was here before he left, he was sitting down, like actively asking me questions about what was going on in the final round at Bay Hill. And I was like, holy shit, this guy doesn't even watch sports. This guy doesn't even watch the NFL. Sports heroin is is of no interest to him. And yet he watched Full Swing, and now he's sitting here asking me technical questions about fucking Bay Hill, like, which, which it, the golf broadcast wasn't even good. And he's like sitting there kind of riveted. And I was like, wow. And it, that, that's the thing that I kept hearing about the show is that it's not for guys like us. It's not for it's not for the junkies. It's more of a introductory show for people that are – on the fringes, maybe people that go to Top Golf but don't watch golf, those kinds of folks. And from the experience that I've had with him and a couple of other, you know, people I've talked to, it seems like the non-golfers have really enjoyed it. My one of my closest friends' wives, he, you know, him and his wife. His wife does not play any golf. She came back basically saying the same. She's like, "Wow, this is like these people are really amazing." Joel Damon is so great. I, oh, it's just it's just like I really like it. So I've been kind of surprised at how much the non-golfers have been into it. It seems like mostly the guys that are, especially like you, someone who's playing a lot of golf, watching a lot of golf, they're, you know, you're actually, you're, you're already living the dream, right? You don't need to watch like, the guys on tour, right, to to get your golf fix. You you get it in the first person. But for those people, I've, I've been surprised to the degree of which they've enjoyed and engaged with the show. That makes me so happy of that, and I I just hope that that they continue to make the show because I think that that that's just all in all good for the sport of golf. And I and I and as a golf sicko, I liked it too. I did like it. You know, yeah. I enjoyed it. So I I don't know. I think I think it'll get better with each season. That's amazing to hear that non golf people liked it. I think it's hilarious that you describe the NFL as sports heroin. If the NFL is sports heroin, then like the PGA Tour is like a sports beer. Like it's like a I sports love beer, light so beer. That, it makes it's a like, lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's a sports course light, dude. And so you, I just, I just picture this image of you giving your your buddy his first sports beer and just being like, "Yeah, dude, it, just try it. See what it's so delicious." Yes. <laughs> but uh, dude, I I love that he was into it, and I love that people are getting into it. And I think, I think, I hope that that is the. I hope that one of the next two seasons, like season two or season three, just absolutely yeah. hits. You know. Like, like, because Drive to Survive season one wasn't the one that hit. It was like season three that hit, and then everyone went For back sure. and retroactively yeah, watched it. Exactly. So I think they'll. I think as they get the, the as they figure out, out exactly how to do the show, I think it's only going to get better. And, and I can't wait. And I love that everybody was into it yeah. too. I'm. Uh, it, it's pretty exciting, man. I, I am with you though that I do hope they can kind of get things a little more chronologically sorted out in like upcoming seasons because it would be a lot of fun just to follow the season from start to finish and also. When when they organized the show the way they did where each episode's more or less just like a standalone kind of character profile, there's really no opportunity to like build storylines, you know? And uh you know, a lot of the storylines that happened on the PGA tour, especially last year with Liv and everything, they had such a fucking a wild opportunity to, to do something really unique and really special. The hardcore golfer in me is a little bummed out, just like you were, but uh again, just like I have 
you know, I have a little bit of optimism when it comes to the PGA Tour. I'm also going to try to look at the glass as if it is not half empty. Uh, in fact, maybe even more than 50% full. I, I, I don't know. And, and, and hope that somehow they get it all figured out. Um, yeah, it would be, be a lot of fun. Overall, I'm going to call it a win. Very good, not great, though. Is, is that, our, is that our consensus? Very. Yeah, good, not great. Good, not great. Win, win overall for sure. the PGA Tour. I think. I think again, a win, a win overall for the landscape of professional okay. golf. So, we'll see how it goes. I think. I think golf is. I think golf is genuinely interesting. I think everyone should watch it, and I think it's really fun to watch. So, if someone is making the effort to try to get casual sports fans or casual people into the game, I'm all into it because. Because uh, golf is sick, dude. Golf, golf is, is sick. sick, and you know what? I I, I know that uh, by the time people listen to this, the the Players Championship will have already started. We're recording this on uh, Players Championship Eve, Wednesday evening. Um, so you know, th- things will be underway. But I I do kind of you know, I I'm actually looking forward to this Players Championship, maybe even more than I have in past years. Do you, Do you have any just quick thoughts on the, on the upcoming Players Championship? Maybe someone you like, just something about the tournament that makes it special. I mean. Do you do you view this as the biggest non-major of the year? Yes, you have to. As I fought that forever, but it really is the biggest event. I love the new major setup too. Again, back to the PGA Tour being fluid and being able to change. Right, like a couple years ago, they changed and they have now March, April, May, June, July for the next five months. We have big events every three weeks, and the players is kind of the kickoff of that. And I love that. It actually makes me. Like and, and, and the way the players fits into that, it really excites me. It used to be on Mother's Day in May, and it kind of seemed to have gotten lost, and I wasn't that excited about it. But the players in March, as like the kickoff to like the major season, as like the major light, I think is it's a perfect place for it because then the players is done. I have a really good context on who's playing good golf. Then the then the Masters, then the PGA, then the U.S. Open, then the the the, the Open Championship. It's just like. I feel like this is the golf season getting in its full sprint. So I'm I'm super excited for this year's players. Um, I think the PGA Tour did a great thing changing the schedule. And I definitely think it's like a, a major light. As for excitement level to watch, yeah, it's super high. As for guys that I like to win, I don't know. Because the players produces... This is all you have to know about the players. Tiger Woods was by far and away the best player of the last generation and was an absolute freak show and was just the the best golfer we've ever seen ever. And he won two of them. Like, so it, it doesn't, it's a weird golf course in the sense that the best player, I guess, doesn't always win, right? And won his in 2000, which doesn't count because everyone lost in 2000 <laughs> Tiger. Tiger just dominated 2000. Like, that's not even, that's, you can't even use that as a point of reference for anything. And then he won it in 2013 when he was effectively done, you know? Like, not done. He won five times that season, had a great year. But, like, you know. He won it in weird yeah. years. No, he won it in weird years. All those years when Tiger was actually playing his best golf, like the 06, 07, 08. Never like, won the players. Phil won it. Yeah, exactly. Like Phil, like Fred Funk won it in that stretch. Like Sergio and, Garcia. And honestly, Phil, Phil's another guy that never really played well at, at Sawgrass either. I mean, I know he won once, but otherwise, Phil was kind of ass like for most of his career at uh, TPC Sawgrass. Exactly. So it's always produces really weird leaderboard so i'm i'm very excited to see this year if 
the trio that we have right now battling out for the world number one, the Rory, Rom, Scheffler, I'm curious to see if all three of them play well, right? Because they've they've been playing good all season and have been seemingly finding... they've all been near the top of the leaderboard and all these big events. If if it happens again this weekend. All bets are off, man. All bets are off. And then, you, first things first, it solidifies all three of them as clearly the three best players in the world, right? Like, they're clearly sure. inches yeah, above everybody sure. else. So, uh, this might be a wild take, I guess. But I think I'm very excited to see if those three guys can stay near the top of the leaderboard. Sawgrass is a place that is kind of quirky, and you kind of need to hit all the shots. And then, at a certain point, you just need to learn to get the ball in the hole. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's not in the best form right now. I like Spieth. I think I think it might be yeah. Spieth. I think it might be Spieth's turn to pick up a players, and if Spieth can pick up a players on top of his three majors and just add another notch in the legacy belt, I mean, I think that would just be really, really fun to watch. So, this may be a bad take. He may play terribly, but I'm uh, I'm riding with Spieth this week. I think Spieth is the guy. I mean, it certainly would be great for golf. I mean, do you, is there anybody you enjoy watching just watching play more than Spieth? Not named Tiger Woods right now. Like if if the broadcast is just like really closely following one player is there anybody other than speed you'd want that to be i love watching max homo play golf i okay. love it dude i love this i love watching max homo play golf speed is the most entertaining by far and away because there's always there's like a um there's that clip of uh dustin thomas watching speed hole out the bunker shot it at never travelers broke, michael it, and and then exactly, and then he just goes. Jordan, Justin just goes. Man, it's just Jordan doing Jordan things, and that's so true. You just watch. Whenever you're watching Spieth on TV, it's just Jordan doing Jordan things. It's like I don't know. He's behind a tree. It ricochets off the tree, hits the grandstand, plugs in the bunker, holds it for birdie, and then the next hole he'll hit it like in the middle of the fairway. He'll hit it to like eight feet, and he'll three putt for bogey. And you're like, I don't even understand what's happening right now. Like I don't, I don't. I, it's yeah. the best. It's it's super fun. It's super entertaining. I love. I love Spieth. Hard not to. Yeah. I Honestly, I, I love Spieth. I mean, I, we're just going to have such a good field for the Players' Championship that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys play golf. The golf course itself, it's so great. I, it's, it's funny because, like, again, when I was watching a lot of golf when I first started, like, the Golf Guide podcast back in 2015, 2016, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's TPC Sawgrass. It's like a big deal. But I didn't really, I didn't really care about it that much. It seems like other people... That has changed a lot for me. Now when I watch this golf tournament, I salivate. That golf course looks so wild. I, I certainly would love to play there one day. Uh, it's, I, I don't know if it's the kind of course that I want to play all the time because I'm just, like, my handicap is nine or ten strokes away from being able to competently navigate that without wanting to jump in the lake, you know, pretty pretty frequently. But the golf course itself just looks awesome. A lot of the, um, the videos I've seen from content creators that are coming out previewing the tournament this week that golf course feels like it has never looked better. Yeah, it look they they I think March is a great time of the year for them and like a great way to fit into the schedule and I mean yeah the golf course is uh Pete Dye believe it or not knew what he was doing. <laughs> he 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 knows exactly how to test yes, the best players in the world and and I I don't understand all the nuances of the golf course but it is a, it is a very good test and it shows great on TV as that test. So, mm-hmm. I yeah totally. I I I love Sawgrass as well. I'm hesitant I'm hesitant to say I love Sawgrass, but I do really like Sawgrass. There are other courses I enjoy Cer- watching. Yeah, a certainly bit love more it as a, as a pro venue. I would assume. I would yeah I love it as a pro venue, but uh, I still don't know if it's like one of my favorite pro venues to watch either. Like I do I love okay. I love watching Mira. 
I love the entire West Coast Swing just because I'm super biased. Yeah, see, the um, West Coast Swing just fucks, dude. It's 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 it's, it's the best part of the non-major schedule. It's so by good, mile. dude. It's so good. The West Coast Swing is just so good. So, uh, the players is great, but uh, but yeah, it, I TBC Sawgrass is great, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't say I love Sawgrass all the way just yet. I'm still sure. learning so to I, love. I'm I guess still learning to love th- th- it. This this will be a nice little transition because w- one thing I do want to do with the show is. Especially, you know, now that it's nice grass, nice people, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of have it be like a complimentary piece of, of Suave Golf, which is, you know, the, the, the company that I run that organizes golf trips and things like that. And I, I want to make sure that, you know, we figure golf travel and stuff into this, you know, whenever we can, because it's just a topic that I find fascinating. You know, I, I just love hearing about different places to go play and you know, people's experience in different places. And it sounds to me like I may know where your answer is, but like is TPC Sawgrass at all on your bucket list of courses that you want to play or do you have enough interest in playing Sawgrass where you would think about like visiting Jacksonville for like a long weekend with like some buddies to play TPC Sawgrass and like organizing like a golf trip around it I think organizing a golf trip around it would be super fun and I think I don't know anything about Florida so I think it would just be fun. Like my interest would just peak as like a California kid, just being like, "Well, I don't it's know. a fucking wild look. place, man." Yeah, let me go look at it, dude. Like I don't even know what it looked like. I don't. Everyone <laughs> always talks about Florida, Florida golf. I know nothing about Florida golf. I know, I know about West Coast golf, and that's it. I don't even think I've played golf. I haven't played golf east of Utah, dude. Like I, I. I oh wait, no, that's a lie. I went to North Carolina last year. I went to North Carolina last year, and that was fun. I did enjoy North Carolina, but like, dude, yeah, like I. I am such a West Coast biased golfer. Everyone's like, mountain golf, desert golf sucks. Florida golf's where it's at. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. You know, so I, I'm <laughs> super curious about going over there and looking at it. And a golf trip around that would be so fun. And I know Jacksonville has a bunch of killer options for for any type of budget, right? Like, you can go top to bottom. You can go super high end and pay $14,000 to play Sawgrass. Or you, I feel mm-hmm. like they have, like, I mean, I always hear about Jack's Beach, which is 45 bucks that you can go out there and have a blast on. So... Uh, yeah, I think planning a trip around Sawgrass is, I think, yeah, I think that Sawgrass is definitely a bucket list course, for sure. It's in okay. my top ten. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree. For courses that I haven't played, I I, I don't know if it's top ten. I don't know if it's top, I, I, I honestly, I haven't really thought of, I need to put a list together of my, my bucket list courses that I haven't played yet. But uh, in doing like a little bit of research, it does seem like Jacksonville, especially if you're going to center a trip around TPC Sawgrass would be a really pretty sweet place to go that actually seemingly has a lot of like pretty quality golf at not super crazy prices. I know if you ever were to go um, to Jacksonville, you know, to play Sawgrass, one thing I saw written in a lot of places was people recommending to play Dyes Valley, which is the other course by Pete Dye at TPC Sawgrass, which everybody says kind of hits all the notes of Sawgrass, but it's not quite as penalizing. And it's just, you know, it's a little, it's not as pristinely uh, kept up as TPC Sawgrass, the, the, you know, the stadium course, but it's pretty close. And instead of being 500 and change to play, you're paying 275. So certainly not a cheap round of golf, but another really good high end. As you mentioned, Jack's Beach, I know the, uh, the guys at No Laying Up uh, you know, have done a lot of stuff out there. I've, I've heard them talk that place up quite a bit. Uh, Stillwater Golf Club, I, I guess, is a brand new golf course uh, that's supposed to be really awesome. Same same goes for Hyde Park. It, it just seems like there's a lot of really good public golf in Jacksonville, and a lot of it's like under a hundred bucks too. Uh, you know, Jack's Beach, the Yards, Hyde Park, uh, 
Um, it, all, all very fun golf. You can play under 100 bucks. So I, I'm with you, man. For somebody that doesn't have that much experience playing Florida golf, I've been playing golf. I played golf in Orlando before when I went to the PGA show a couple years ago. But otherwise, have not played a lot of golf. But that is actually one of the places that I would love to go outside of your like stream songs and stuff. You know, the, the places that everybody's kind of like, yeah, I, I definitely got to get there. But uh, yeah, Jacksonville would just seem like That's a fun it. place. It does. And I think maybe as a suave golf thing, um, I think it might be worth it to do like uh, fee trips for 50 states, which would be hard. But like, so then, you know, take Florida, for example. It's like weighing mm-hmm. the cons between Stream Song or Jacksonville. And being like, all right, you know what? We're going to choose Jacksonville because of X. And then doing it for, you know, every state, like Utah, Colorado. Like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. I think there's a way to do that. And mix it in with suave golf and i think jacksonville for me personally would take the cake over even stream song just based on mm-hmm. the the generally heard about it all yeah well I, I know like for me like at least like with suave golf my my hope is that over like the next couple of years is that i can basically start doing of like different levels of events like i want to have like really nice trips where we go to the creme de la creme like best you know just the best of the best and you just experience five-star golf and just, you know, the best the sport has to offer. But then I also, at least from a planning perspective, I almost enjoy putting the trips together where we just go play, like, a bunch of hidden gems that, like, are kind of off the beaten path in a certain place. And Jacksonville certainly seems like a really great place to do that. Whereas, like, if I was going to plan two different Florida golf trips that, you know, span the course of four or five days, a Jacksonville trip would be really, really fun. I would love to put that together. And then maybe I'd do one where we go to Streamsong for a couple of days, you know, hop on a charter bus and then drive up to Cabot Citrus Farms, which I don't know if you've heard. Uh, are you familiar with the old World Woods that uh, uh, Cabot bought it and is re- renovating it? Yes. It yes, looks, I did. Yes, I did. I was aware. Looks, it looks pimp as out. It's like, a, like I, th- I think it's like two hours, maybe even a little less from Streamsong. So you could actually hit both of those in one trip if you really wanted to, like if you really wanted to send it. So, yeah, th- those are, like, two trips that are totally different, especially from a price point perspective, but I think would both be, honestly, like, equally fun. Yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, just, yeah. Golf, swap golf trips are the best. It sounds like and you and me have got of... a couple trips uh, d- d- down to Florida we're going to have to start putting together here, brother. Ooh, I can't wait. Which, which I love. Okay, um, let's go here. Let, let, let's pivot here a little bit, brother. We've been talking. This, is, this has been golf heavy. We're, like, an hour in. We have been doing a really, really good job of, you know, just sticking, sticking to the golf. But, you know, as I mentioned the trailer, I mentioned the top of the podcast, you know, I, I just love so many sports that, you know, aren't golf as well that I just feel like I don't get a platform to actually just talk about sports with my buddies, you know, as often as I I used to before I became a dad. So given that you are one of San Diego's finest and I am just, you know, I mean, shit, man. I'm more more than a you know more than a decade removed from the first of the three championships that the Giants won, the, the San Francisco Giants, I should say. And uh, it's kind of a dark time in Giants baseball. The team is maybe the least entertaining they've ever been, which used to be the role of the San Diego Padres. And now things have flipped. And honestly, the Padres seemingly are more exciting and more fun than any baseball team that I've ever had the pleasure of rooting for and i got to root for barry bonds for a long fucking time so that that is crazy to me so i want to see the floor to you christopher uh, and just give me kind of a brief state of the san diego padres heading into the 2023 season 
First things first, it's nice up here. I didn't realize the air was so crisp up here at the top of the NL West. This is unbelievable. I've been stuck in the dark, damp cellars of the of the NL West for so long. It's unbelievable. You can see so far from up here, dude. The view is good, man. Incredible, dude. It's just like the horizon just looks so bright and promising. This is unreal. You guys have been up here this whole time? Just hanging well, out? I- like, the Giants the giant certainly have not been up there this whole time, know, but I will I say this. how nice it was up here. I, as somebody who gets just as much satisfaction out of watching the Dodgers lose as they do watching the Giants win, to watch you guys just come and just kind of knock them off the perch and just be the way more exciting team that is arguably just as, if not possibly better, than this juggernaut that just seems to win the fucking division every year, it's actually kind of awesome. Like I, I, I have no ill will towards the Padres, so I'm actually kind of stoked. To, to see just how fucking rad they are, <laughs> dude, it's but unbelievable. I, San Diego has always been San Diego has always been a mid market sports team, right? Like it's or a yeah. market sports team, even you know, sports city. It's always you know the Chargers had terrible owners and wouldn't spend money, and were always trying to nickel and dime their best players, and then the Chargers left. The Padres never had big free agent signings, never had anything like that happen, right? So I remember last year, or what, whatever, a couple years ago, when Pete Idler brought bought the team. And AJ Preller was brought in to be the GM. There was a lot of like general buzz and excitement about like what the Padres could be. It was like, man, maybe this guy will start spending money. Maybe you know we'll start getting people. Yada yada. Uh, we built. Obviously, we got Manny Machado a couple years ago. That was super exciting. Ali Tatis was homegrown. That's unbelievable. You know, uh, we've we've just been having like a lot of these small incremental wins over the last like four years. And then last year when we signed Juan Soto, the city went buck. That was by far and away. The biggest free agent signing San Diego's ever seen, and all of a sudden it, it, it seems was, like the it whole was like an in-season net. trade. Actually, it might have even been more exciting than that. Like, when do you ever get a fucking like one of the yeah. best players in all of baseball in a fucking trade? That's fucking unheard of. It, Unless you're exactly. fucking it was a tra- stupid it was, ass Red Sox team trade Mookie Betts, but yeah, good, good. good. I remember exactly. It was it was a trade. Exactly, it was a trade. Like, it's the biggest it was the biggest sports acquisition in San Diego sports history, dude. And the city was a buzz, and then I feel like it all of a sudden put us in the national spotlight, and then. Juan Soto didn't even play that good, and we beat the Dodgers in the divisional round and made it to the championship series. And it was just like, oh, my God, so God. like all these things are paying off. And then now Pete Seidler dropped the bag again for Manny Machado, and Manny Machado is going to retire a Padre, going to be a Hall of Famer. That's unbelievable. Like, uh, it, it's just it's just so exciting to be a Padres fan. The, the city is cannot wait for baseball season. Uh, and and it's, it's very weird to be in a – in a position where it's World Series or bust, which, you know, everyone, you know, you're not supposed to say that, but whatever. It is, like, with the amount of money he's spending and the players he's bringing on and everything, it is Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, like, Mike Carpenter, who is past his prime, but still just a good locker room presence. Like, there, it's just, like, Jake Cronenworth, our guy, Hassan, Joe Musgrove, like, local East County. Like, team is just so freaking exciting, and I... And last season was so fun, and we lost in the championship series. And this year, it's World Series or bust. But it doesn't even really feel like a true bust. It just feels like, man, we actually have a very legitimate chance to win the World Series. And I just can't wait for the ride. Like, you know, whatever happens, it's going to be a great place to be. An unbelievable ride. It's going to be an unbelievable ride. And then it's going to be such a fun ride. And it's going to be. And I truly think it's like a, like, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic but it's probably like a three-year ride i hope so hopefully like at least. Not, you know so like 
hopefully it's at least a three-year match. Sounds so fun. It's like three years of us being near the favorites to win the World Series, us being a team that no one wants to play, and us and us having probably the I stand by it. I think we have some of the like the biggest home field advantage of anyone, dude. Because if you go to a Padre game, it's gnarly, dude. Every single seat is sold out. Petco's bumping. It's so loud, dude. It's so loud in there for baseball, dude. Like baseball is not a loud sport, and it's going absolutely buck in the stadium. I, I was lucky enough to go to like eight games last year, and it was nuts, dude. It was unbelievable. And then I, I, it's, I don't know. I just can't, I am. So excited. I think Pete Seidler is, is a god and I think AJ Preller is smart and I, I think we're I think we're gonna I think we're gonna I think we're gonna win a World Series, dude. And I've never been alive for a San Diego I don't think San Diego's ever won a championship, but we never won a soul with the Chargers, World Series with the Padres. And to be here hopefully for the first one, sometime in the next couple of years, like just the just the just the thought of exciting because the Chargers were never this good and the Padres obviously have never been this good. So this is just like, this is just so fun. This is so fun, dude. We're good. Like no one wants to play us. It's unbelievable. What, what's this? Okay. So you said, is, is it Pete, Pete Sadler, Pete Sadler, the, the owner's name, Pete Sadler, Pete Sadler. Yeah. It's the what, owner's name. What's his story? Where's, where's all this fucking money coming from? So he runs, he runs like a private equity firm that's worth like three and a half billion dollars. And he just was like a guy who invested a bunch of money. So then, so he's like Steve and then he Cohen the team. Exactly. Steve Cohen light dude. And he, and he's so freaking ugly, dude. Have you ever seen him, dude? It's unbelievable. He wears suits that don't fit him. He's got a mustache that it goes ears. He's a man, dude, he's a man. He just seems like a dude. And, uh, and he's just shelling out money for, for badass Dominican baseball players. And I'm so down, dude. I'm so yeah. down. I honestly, I love that. You know, it, again, as oh, I can only speak as a Giants fan, but the Giants ownership f- fucking stinks. <laughs> it's like, like, it's just, just a super unlikable dude who just uh, d- basically doesn't seem to be coughing up money for a, a team that just makes money hand over fist over here. But we're, we're, we're getting besides the point. Um, I, I guess Chargers Dean Spanos for so long. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not that bad, but it's like pretty. I mean, it, it sucks. Um, so you were mentioning that, like, when the when the Juan Soto trade, by the way, like pronunciation, happened last year. Obviously, the town goes nuts. Okay. Do you feel like the momentum, especially with these signings that the Padres have made in the off season, the momentum has maintained at that kind of like close to apex level, or do you feel like it has? somehow even been ratcheted up a notch beyond that leading into the season with the couple signings you guys made? Or would it be, like, understandable if, hey, things got hot, they made it to the playoffs, they advanced, they don't make it to the World Series, and now we're just kind of cooling and waiting for the season to, to pick back up again before things start to go off? Dude, it was weird because the Padres were... Last season had a lot of hope and promise starting the season, right? And then we didn't really perform that great. Uh, and then we got Juan Soto in the trade, so I got excited thinking that was going to be the final piece. But then we also didn't perform that great after we got Juan Soto. We kind of weren't like kind of had to battle to get into the playoffs, right? Like we had to go. We and then when we got to the playoffs, it was like okay, cool. It was it was almost like a sigh of relief that once we made it to the playoffs. And then um, San Diego is a cursed sports town, so we were just like. We were a expecting to blow it. All of us as fans were just like, we're gonna lose. Like we suck. We're gonna lose. We're not. We don't know what we're doing. And then Juan Soto was very much. Everyone was talking about him being like a hired gun, you know. So, so the the level was building, but not 
not going up at like a hockey stick growth and like there everyone was taking like everyone was stepping with trepidation right everyone was kind of walking on eggshells being like well i don't I want to get too- everybody's been a San Diego sports fan down there for a long sad. time. They know they, they know Charlie Brown's about to get get the football pulled on him you know, at, at any moment. Exactly. And then so then we go on the run. Then we beat that's in New York three games. Joe, Joe Musgrove pitches that awesome, awesome game. And we're just like, OK, the Mets were supposed to be nice. Like everyone was talking about the Mets at the beginning of the season as like the World Series favorites. And like they had that great run in the middle of the season. So and we and we kind of handled them. And I was like, all right, well, that was cool. And then it's like, well. That was fun. We're going to lose to the Dodgers. And everyone I talked to was like, well, you know, it's not our year. This isn't our year to beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers are better. Like, you know, this it's good we won one, seri- one series, uh, but we're going to lose to the Dodgers. And then we beat the Dodgers, and I swear to God, the lid got taken off the city. It was like, oh, why not us? We're going to win the World Series. Like, why not us? And then... And then, uh, and then we lost, obviously, in the championship series to the Phillies, which sucked. But... The excitement here in San Diego has continued to grow because now there's talk uh, Seidler signing Soto to a long-term deal as well, um, and those rumors have been floating around forever. Uh, Tatis is obviously going to come back now, which is super exciting. So it's weird. It seems like week we get more I, I and more. I can't believe they did excited. all that last year with no fucking Fernando Tatis. That that's crazy to me to do to do what they did last year yeah. without. What some people consider to be the single best player in baseball, like under like twenty four years old, is fucking bonkers. Dude, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. So and so it was weird. He, like I said, the excitement. Juan Soto brought excitement, but it was also weird because it very much felt like a hired gun signing, and it was also just like how like this this doesn't feel right. Like everyone was excited, but something like you know, this can't be San Diego sports now. And then we went on that playoff run, and it was like I San Diego sports now shelling out the bag and to come to San Diego and it's like oh my god like yeah this is us now like we are that team we are the, we are the cool we are the hip team like national like media likes us everybody wants to come play for the Padres like we're we're cool now all of a sudden we're the cool we're the cool kid on the block and we never have been so uh we've continued we get more excited with each passing day I mean all my buddies who uh talk about it it's it's like every day like everyone my groups are all blowing up with spring training news that's never happened before like yeah, everyone like everyone's sending articles and like sending clips. Like everyone's showing how gumpy Tatis looks in right field. Who cares? We we'll just look past that. But it's just like it's I don't know. We're just super excited, and and everyone seems to be in a in a healthy place about it too. Everyone's just like everyone's just really enjoying the ride because every time the Padres or the Chargers had ever done good uh, prior to this back door. It always been like, oh, the frisky Chargers go on an eight run game run and make it to the playoffs, you know, or like the Padres, you know, like can you, can the team do the, like you know, it's, it's always kind of like the questions are phrased that way, and this year it's all of a sudden like, dude, we're going to the World Series, like get the fuck out of our way, and it's so fun, dude. It's <laughs> That's amazing. It sounds to me like a lot of the San Diego scar tissue has healed pretty well because I, I'm not going to lie, man. I feel after 30-some years, you know, so close to 30 years of just getting kicked in the balls as a San Diego sports fan, I would have just kind of assumed that a lot of the folks down there would be a little more like, hey, man, it's really sick, but honestly, like, it's, it's all too good to be true. Like, I mean, like, and the fact that everybody's just like, dude, fuck it let's just go let's be excited let's not worry about it if it doesn't work out we'll worry about it then let's just that to me is great and honestly that's one of the things i really like about sports on the west coast is that there generally does to be seem to be a little more like fun and positivity where 
you know, East Coast teams feel far more narcissistic to me. I kind of tend to be that way with my sports teams because I'm always trying to prepare myself for the worst so I don't get too fucking let down if things don't go well, which, you know, most often they do. But, man, I'm, like, jealous because I, I want to be part of, like, a, you know, a, a movement. Like It honestly, like, what's happening with the Padres in San Diego honestly feels like a sports movement where they have the, the ability to almost transform the sports DNA of an entire metropolitan area. And uh, as somebody who's not, in that community and actually is rooting for a team that is direct competition uh i am super stoked for you and super fucking jealous uh, dude a thank you i guess uh, i don't know it's it's truly unbelievable dude and 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 yeah there's no one here is everyone here knows that it could go wrong like you'd be dumb it like only one team wins the World Series, right? So, like, you know, the chance. But no, it, is anybody talking about it? Of course, yeah, of course. Everyone's like, everyone's like, yeah, you know, we could, we could, but no one is like, uh, no one is like, ah, no one is pre mad about it. No one's like, oh man, if we don't win the World Series, what a waste. Pete Seidler's an idiot. AJ, Pro- no, no one's, no one's saying that. They're just going like, yeah. man, this season is going to be so fun. Whatever happens, whatever happens, this is probably going to be the most fun season of my entire life. And that's all everyone's saying. Everyone's saying the same thing. They're like, dude. Because last season was so fun, and the run was so fun at the end, and and everyone's still riding that high, and everyone's just like, God, season's just gonna be fun. And then we, the Padres, have already this Padre core has already done like they did so bad in the middle of last season, like they weren't even in the playoffs. They were like twelve or fourteen games back of the Dodgers like, all season. Like we were already kind of like dejected and already kind of like, man, our team sucks. We have Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis can't. Like, like, I don't know. It was just like, we just, we, everyone was already kind of like, wow, what a, what a dud of a nucleus. And then, like I said, the run happens and now everyone, like, I feel like we've already experienced the worst of what this nucleus can do. So now whatever happens here is obviously going to be better than what happened last year. And last year was already so great. So I don't know. Everyone is just so excited for, for whatever run or whatever is going to, is going to take us because because it just seems like it's going to be just such a fun season, dude. It just feels like it's going to be fun. It just feels like it's going to be so fun. We're going to be the funnest team in baseball. We're going to score 15 runs, and it's just going to be awesome, dude. And they're just going to be having handshakes and, and, and like, doing, wearing cool jerseys, dude. And it's and Tatis' long hair is going to be doing crazy stuff. And Hassan Kim is just sick, dude. I don't know. It's just awesome, dude. And then, Joe, I don't, dude, I'm so excited. <laughs> Kim Hassan is actually pretty fucking sick. Dude, he's I, so I tight. He's uh, so I can't tight. disagree with you there. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I'm again, dude. Like, honestly, I'm just fucking jealous. And then, like, that team has got to be so much fucking fun to root for. So fun. And probably will not happen. And everyone in San Diego knows this probably will not happen. But want to know something else that's really cool about being a San Diego Padre fan right now? I would love to know. Since we got the Juan Soto in the trade, since we got Juan Soto in the trade, and we got Xander Bogarts, and we got all these players now all of a sudden, Shohei is going to be a free agent next year. We probably can't afford him, realistically. I don't know. Pete Seidler has endless pockets, but we realistically probably can't afford him. But the fact that everyone in San Diego is like, man, we might. We might get him. Like, there's no way Shohei's not taking a meeting with the Padres. Like, he's at least going to come see, you know? And that's just fun because we were never the we were never on the tour for the big free. We totally are. And and obviously, we're probably not. Hey, but I don't think I'd be surprised if we did. And if we got Shohei, then it's just a movie, dude. Then they're gonna then they're gonna get the box DVD set, dude. We're 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 going. We're going to the World Series. Honestly, if you guys got Shohei Otani, 
the Padres would basically just be the National League All Star team. They're like there, there just wouldn't be that many guys that aren't on the Padres that would be playing in the All Star game in the middle of summer, which is it's just crazy to say. Again, still jealous as a guy who roots for the Giants who never signed any fucking A list free agents literally my entire life. Like the last A list free agent the Giants signed was Barry Bonds in 1993. Otherwise, the next biggest yep. contract they've handed out to a free agent player, I believe, is Aaron fucking Rowan, which is just it hurts my soul. <laughs> and now I'm watching the Padres sign Juan Soto. You know, think about getting Shohei Otani. It's Otai. amazing. I, I just, hey man, it's like, where, what fucking world are we living in? I, I, uh, all being said, I, I, I always used to, I always used to talk shit on like the Yankees and Red Sox and the Dodgers and being like, oh, you just buy your championships. Like that team has no soul. Like, why would you root for a team where people are just getting bought and brought on? And now, as a fan of someone that like of a team, team that is. <laughs> It's way better this way, dude. It's way more fun this way, dude. It's so Money can't sick. Buy happiness, every day we're learning this in cool... real time, <laughs> dude. It... Like, we can't like, and, and every day something cool happens, dude. Every day something. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Um, all right, well, last thing we'll t- let's touch on before the Padres before we get to our last uh, our last segment of the show. Um, give me your predictions. What? How do you think the NL West shakes down this season? Padres. Dodgers, Rockies, Giants. D-backs, a distant fit. And then the Diamondbacks last because they, <laughs> they don't even count, dude. Are they, they even, even a real count. major league team? Who could say? Uh, who could who say? Could say? All right. But I think I, I think we win I think we win the division. We don't get to play in the wild card. I don't even think we play, play the, Do- the Dodgers. I don't even think we play them in the playoffs. They don't want us. They're going to actively try to avoid us in the playoffs. They're going to play someone else to someone else like the losers they are dude and then we're going to beat whoever we play in the championship series probably the Mets or someone lame like that and then we're running back 1998 Yankees Padres uh World Series and I want all the smoke dude I want all that smoke I want to see Aaron Judge's face crying in the dugout after we sweep him forward zero in New York god I can't wait dude because that 98 <laughs> World Series was so freaking lame dude it was so dude and they swept us and they were all thinking they were all high on their bridges and they talk about that championship starting a dynasty and they said that dynasty that championship was easy to win and they said that the Padres didn't deserve pinstripes and I want all the smoke dude I want the Yankees and I want their market stupid faces to eat it when we beat their ass dude that was fucking beautiful I couldn't agree more Yankees Padres I will be rooting for the Friars in that situation despite being a division foe the Friars have my support. Oh, I need to. I want to just avenge ninety for for the for Tony Gwynn's soul, dude. <laughs> uh, it'd be amazing. All right. Well, my guy, we have been doing just a remarkable job so far. I, I'm so proud of us for for getting back on the horse and and just getting after it. Um, I now want to do a segment with you that I'm hoping you know will evolve over time. We still are. Uh, it's a working title. I don't know exactly what we're going to be calling this, but we're, we're going to give it like you know a month or two of, of doing these before we try to start come up with something formal. Right now, I've got things like uh, the Pro Shop, Swing Thoughts, Office Hours. It's kind of like a life advice type thing. I don't know. We're, we're going to work on it, but I'm actually finally giving the listeners of this fine podcast a chance to tap in to you and I's experience, our golf intellect, and there's also like a little part of this like I do hope that some people start asking like basic questions like I, I love I love it when shows do like a like a no stupid questions thing where you know it's like the 
you know the Andy Dwyer meme from Parks and Rec, like, I don't know this and this, but I'm too afraid to ask. I hope I hope we can actually be an outlet for those people that maybe you're you know they just they don't want to ask somebody if they go ask their head pro they're gonna be like this guy is never gonna let me on this golf course again. I I hope those people feel comfortable, but I also want this to be a place where you know if somebody has something that goes down on the golf course, right, and they you know. Some shit happens, and they need a ruling. They ju- they just need a third party to give their two cents on how th- you know how they would have handled things. We're also here for you. We're 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 here to please the masses. So, I got a couple things. I had uh, I put it out on Instagram. A couple people wrote back um, with some questions they wanted to submit for tonight, and then I also had one or two things that I wanted to bring up with you specifically. So uh, before before I start uh, getting into these these line items here, my friend. Um, you know, do, do you feel qualified to be offering a lot of, you know, golf and life advice to, to, to strangers uh, solicited on the Internet? Absolutely. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, with that confidence, I say we just dive right in. Um, <laughs> all right. So the Wadding Town Instagram basically has asked us, what is the best way to ask someone if you can play through? Curious, my friend. I mean, obviously... You kind of need to read the situation. If the group in front of you has a group in front of them and they're waiting, I would just say, don't ask to play through because that would just be fucking pointless. But I kind of would, yeah. If you want want to play through, how how do you approach that kind of situation? Yes. First things first. Make sure you can play through to. Um, make sure make sure you are going. You can get through somewhere. You know, yeah. don't play through. Just wait in the fairway on the next group, right? Yes. Like that. That's just terrible, and that actually slows everything down even worse, right? So first things first, do your due diligence and make sure that there's no group in front of the group that you're trying through so that if you can play through them, you'll be uh, in clear daylight on the golf course. Um, Another thing you should be cognizant of, a foursome should never play through a foursome. Don't just swap place with another foursome. If you're a single or a twosome, then you are in the to want to play through i would argue that threesomes and foursomes should not play through each other yeah even if you're a threesome probably don't just 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 figure out a way to avoid the day with without it but a three players should probably you should only be playing through if you're a single or two um now as far as asking well, uh that was the thing is because horses that's, that's the weird thing about this question is that it's basically like how do you ask someone to play through because i feel like usually you always kind of want to wait to s- have the group in front of you offer to let you play through so usually i feel like by the time you're yes. asking somebody you've been trying to get ahead of this group for a while so sometimes you know maybe you know, at this point maybe you're a little frazzled you're a little frustrating so this is this is why we need this is why we need your expertise here mr durr i think this way to ask someone to play through is to preemptively ask like to for example if playing a golf course and you're five holes in and you know it's slow you can all a lot of courses have holes that run adjacent to each other so there's nothing wrong with kind of flagging them down and being like hey can i play through you on the next par three you have to play through the group on a par three you have to ask them if you can do it on the next par three because then if they agree to it then everyone's on the same page right then they're gonna tee off on the par three get up to the wave you up you'll hit in and the whole thing moves really smoothly. Do not pass on a par. And if you're asking, I think you just need to be really, really nice. Just be like, hey, is it okay if I play through on the next par three? I think the more 
direct you can be with the question while also friendly, the better for everyone involved. And if guy says no, he's A, probably a dick. You're just going to have to figure out a way to have fun on the golf course while you're behind him, you know? Yeah. But I think, I don't think there's like a, I don't think there's like a great like way to finesse the question because at the end of the day, it is an uncomfortable question. So I think the more direct and nice you can be and the more preemptive you can be, the better. So don't ask him, uh, don't ask him when the tee, don't yell down the fairway like, hi, can I play through? Just like try to find a way to catch or flag him or do something, you know, and then. And then just be like, hey, is it cool if we play through on the next par three? That's the only way to ask that question. There's, And then if he says yes, great. And if he says no, then I'm sorry. And then uh, the only other caveat that I guess would be if you see him snack shack after nine and he's ordering a hot dog and, you know, you drive up while he's ordering his hot dog, then you can just, hey, is it okay if we play through right now? But if you're trying to do it in the course of the round, it needs to be on a par three, and you need to try to ask him a couple holes in advance. Okay. No, honestly, that's great. Like, I I, I kind of knew a lot of what you were just saying, but then I kind of never really thought about, like, hey, you should try to just, like, mark out the par threes in the scorecard and use those as your, as your best opportunities to get ahead because that makes a lot of sense. It's where you're going to cause the least disturbance to the pace of play throughout the rest of the golf course. So, great idea. It sounds to me like you do not love the approach of just hitting into the group in front of you and just hoping they get the idea and let you play through. Yeah, don't do that. I hate that. I hate <laughs> that so much. It's it's like it's weird. It's weird how I feel like golf course dealing with other people on the golf course to me it seems so simple, but it seems like most people like operate in two extremes. Either you're like so friendly and you're like, "Hey, can I do this?" or you're just like willing to fight someone. Yeah. And it's like, "Why are why it's are those?" Weird that there's the two more extremes? people willing to like, fight like, on a golf course than you would think. For it's a sport is relaxing. Yeah. And leisurely as golf. It it feels odd. It feels super odd to me. So, yeah, don't hit into people, don't yell at them, don't don't hit them with the the hurry up. Like don't hit them with that one or like or like when they miss a putt on the green and you're watching them miss, don't go with the "Come on." Like, no, no, just Dude, just be cool. Like, you know, just 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 be nice about it, and most of the time they'll let you go through. But be be sure to map out the par threes and know where the par three, so you know when they're coming. Now you're, and also you're, be generous. Be generous with your gimmies on on when you're. Yeah, playing. well, I was gonna say you don't want to don't want wait. You're one of the all time like nice guys, and I mean that like in a very positive way. So I I I can't imagine you getting too confrontational. But what how how does Chris Durr handle a situation when the group behind you is hitting into you? And it's like not not accidentally, but almost kind of like sort of like you guys need to fucking hurry up. We've been wait, you know. We we think we've been waiting, even though you probably have a group right in front of you. Like, how does Chris Durr respond to a group hitting into him? I'll just let him play through. If they're if they're if they're hitting into me, I'll just let him play through. And then I my like passive aggressiveness loves it if there's a group right in front of me. And there's nothing better than than that because I'm out here. I'm got nothing. To, I got. I'm out here. I got time. I'm I'm playing. I'm practicing. I'm getting ready for a tournament. I'm working on my game. I'm doing something, you know. So if you're dying to play through me, if you're dying to play through me that bad, go for it. Because you're gonna be more uncomfortable. Because now, like, let's say your course does nine minute tee times, right? Like, there's a tee time every nine minutes. Oof. Let's say I teed off at nine. The group in front of me is the 851. You're the 909. You want to play through me so bad. You're now effectively making yourself the 8 
55 tea time that is just squeezed in between two other nine minute tea times your day is going to be infinitely less enjoyable because you're immediately going to stress about a me up and you're immediately going to freak out that there's a group right in front of you so yeah screw it if you're hitting into me and want to play through me first things first play through i'll i'll just stand off to the side you can go through if there's no one in front of me have a great day if there is someone right in front of me then i really want you to play through me <laughs> like, and then I really want you because then I get to hit a couple bunker shots on the last green. I get to hit a couple extra putts. I get to do my practice in my leisurely place with no one behind me and not even worry about it. And you're just going to be free because you're sandwiched in between two tee times. I love that. Honestly, I I kind of love that. Like, because I feel like 90 something percent of the guys would like either give you a lift their hands up, be like, hey, man, what's going on? Or, you know, some people love the super, you know, some people really love to escalate, you know, get the ball hit into them and they tee it up leave it on the tee or, you know, tee it up or, you know, hit it somewhere. Else. Like, the fact that just like, hey, man, go ahead and go right through, brother, and then knowing that it's just going to drive him up the goddamn wall is actually a really oh, amazing flex. I, I, I fully endorse your your system of, uh, of handling this because, one, it seems like the least likely way to get into a situation where you get your ass kicked. But also, it's the one that's ultimately going to bring them the most frustration, and I think that's always the goal if someone's acting like that much of a jackass on the golf course. Oh, for sure. And then you can always do the little, like, other passive-aggressive awkward thing, too. Like, if they're trying to play through you on, like, a par four, you know? like, not a par three, like, trying to play through you at the wrong time. Like, they hit into you while you're in the fairway. You just, like, okay, they hit into me while they're in the fairway. Cool, stand in the fairway, wave them up, you know, wave them. Cool, come play through, you know. So then you watch them all hit their drives. Then while they're driving out to, to like, to hit their second shots, hit your second shot, you know, oh. and just and oh, love just that. play the whole your pace. Oh, just love so that. So then they're coming up, and then they and then they then they get there, and you just sit in your car or sit like off to the side and wherever you know with your bag or whatever, and they go like, hey, we're just gonna play. Th-. And you go, okay, perfect. No worries, my ball's up on the green, so don't touch it. Went up there, you know, but I hit my ball. I hit my ball already, and they always go like, oh. Oh, oh, okay, no worries, no worries. And then they all of a sudden feel like extra rushed. You know, they're like, like it quick. And then they always like duff it or whatever. And I'll just like walk very casually up to my ball. We normally get to the green around the same time. And then I'll like, hey, let me pull the pin for you. And they go, yeah, yeah, first pin for me. And then they're like rushing, you know, and they'll, and I'll just like casually pull the pin, like read my putt. All of a sudden they have this awkward interaction where we're playing as like a random, like, eight some or whatever like as a really weird awkward eight some and they're the ones that are trying to play through but you're you're letting them do it you're just forcing them to do it really really slowly and then they're the ones that are just uncomfortable for like the 12 minutes while they're trying to play through you and you're just kind of like letting them but not you know and then you get to the next tee and you're like okay cool go for it and and those make me laugh too because you can just watch people freak out and you're just like yeah dude uh, Listen, you did this. Yeah, I didn't do this. I say you did this to yourself. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. Oh, that's fucking great. Um, well, yeah. Hey, let, let, let's stick on the uh, the pace player thing because there was so petty, but it's funny. Th- there was another one that uh, actually. So this was not a question that was written into a specific way of the show, but this is actually one that I just sort of uh, stumbled across that I thought was at least kind of entertaining, and I just wanted to get your two cents on this. So obviously, you know, especially like uh, you know, with Zach Blair and his whole like Buck Club thing. Um, you know, it's kind of been like slow players will be asked to leave the property. It's kind of like their tagline. Like, you know, the, the emphasis on playing golf fast has certainly been, you know, more and more prevalent years. And for the most part, I kind of agree with it. I mean, I, I, I always want to have the option to play fast. Um, because, you know, if, if you're, especially if you're playing like as a one or a two, be able to just go and hit your shot and almost like feel like you're getting a little cardio while you're playing is just awesome. There's like, there's very few feelings better than it. But this gentleman that I saw on Reddit, uh, they believe he goes by username, 
Chris with a bunch of numbers. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to read this one to you verbatim. I know you're reading it here as well, but uh, for everybody out there. And it starts out with, the fast golf movement has gone too far. <laughs> uh, and then to paraphrase, he basically says, look, man, I, we're not playing in three hours, but like the golf course we were playing has a four and a half an hour pace, you know, written on the scorecard. And me and my buddies were playing in four hours to four hours and 15 minutes. And the people behind us are just up our ass, complaining, saying they want to play through. I, just for the sake of this, you know, let's say it's, you know, it's a foursome behind them and they're a foursome. I, we, I think we've already established that if you're a four, don't play through. But I, I basically, I brought this one up to basically ask you, if you have a, f- a bunch of four buddies and you're going out and playing in four hours, how annoyed would you be if somebody was asking you to play faster? Uh, very, very annoyed. This happens every all the time, all the time. You know, uh, especially because me and my buddies, when we are four guys in a group, most of the time it's we're playing a yeah. game, right? And, so and games do matter. slow things down. Even though we're breeding I, I always them, prefer to play games. And then we're all pretty games do slow things down, and. We're all pretty good players, but yeah, I'd, I'd say if I was playing with my four in general, playing a game we play with, our average pace is probably four hours, four hours and ten minutes, you know? Yeah. And guys get mad at us at the club. They're like, you guys play slow, slow. It's like, dude, you you just think playing slow because you see us reading our putts, you know? Like, the, <laughs> it's, it's just, like, you see me, you, just because you walk up and hit it and I crouch behind it and get a line going doesn't mean that I'm playing slow. I'm just my pace is still appropriate. So I agree. I think fast golf has gone too far. I think people don't know that four hours is like kind of fast. Yeah. You know, four hours. Do I like playing golf in less than four hours? Absolutely. I love it when I, I love it when I finish around, I look and it was three hours and 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah. man, that's unbelievable. But one of what I end up doing those days playing again, just go to play more golf go again. And then, <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, I just go out and play golf. So then my golf actually ends up being like a seven hour day, which is very slow, um, but, but also super safe uh, at the same time. That's amazing. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think fast golf needs to be tied into like a timing, you know, like I guess it does, I guess, cause we're talking about time, but like, quickly means like being ready to hit your shot and being prepared like and moving quickly to the next tee box and like re- like the playing quickly means that you're constantly keeping the thing moving you're never stalling out the force right like you know it's always you're always ready to hit you got your club ready you know where the hole is whatever you know the pins pulled you put the pin back in i don't think playing golf means that like i played slow today because i played in four hours and minutes it's like no like you played golf. You just, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think the fast golf movement has gone too far. I think people need to rely on their whole, like we're playing in three hours and a half or else I'm not playing at all. It's like, dude, come on. Yeah. And like, I understand anything over four. I think anything over four and a half hours egregious just cause I give, um, but anything in like the, if it's under four and a half hours, I think you're playing plenty fast. Yeah. Just don't be the guy that's like gets to the tee box and then starts, you know, Okay, so I had this, you know, my brother-in-law was recently doing this thing, and it's like, and oh my god, dude, you're just stall, you're wasting three minutes, you know, like everyone, someone could be hitting a ball right now. You can tell me that while we walk. You yes. can tell me that you can walk and talk. You can well, you walk and talk before. You don't have to to congregate at the tee box to tell me your shitty story. <laughs> I, t- I, I once again, you and I are on the exact same page. I do feel like maybe it's gone a little too far. I I feel like if you're under four and a half, all gravy, baby. Just you know, it, and again. 
Where where the hell oh. else would you rather be? Exactly. Fucking and boy. again, fast. I, I like I said, I, I don't think it needs to be tied into fast golf. Doesn't need to be tied into a time, right? It just it's about being ready. It's about playing yeah. ready golf and being ready to play. That's fast. Not like wasting time dilly dallying while you're while you're waiting for whatever comes next. For sure. Yep. I couldn't agree more, man. All right, let's go with that. So let's go one or two more, and then we'll uh, we're we're gonna call it here. Uh, OC Duck one. On Instagram, this is a good one here. I actually had to do a little bit of greens, uh, greens fee research just to see how to, we could uh, get this to shake out. Uh, OC Duck One asks, "You have a thousand dollars to play five rounds of golf in California. Where are you playing?" Now, for the sake of this question, I'm just assuming the private clubs are out, just because you know we want to keep this to daily fees, okay. greens fees, and stuff like that. So, I went through, I I assembled a handful of courses, and I put uh, some. Uh, their peaks, you know, their peak season weekend greens fees next to them because those are the ones I think would is that that's the fair way to do it. Lots of golf courses in California that I did not include on here, Mr. Durr. So if you've got some uh, some choice uh, selections not in there, um, I, I would invite you to include them. But did you immediately have like a couple courses that you knew for a fact that you wanted to include on that list? For sure, of course, of course, of course, of course. So let's think. A thousand dollars to play five rounds of golf in California. Right. Okay. Well, for sure, Pasatiempo's on there. So Pasatiempo is my three fifty. Bang. Three hundred fifty dollars no, green fee right now. Pasatiempo. Pasatiempo. Mm-hmm. There's one round. One round. One green fee. Uh, I would for sure throw in the Presidio Golf Course where I work. Yes. Yes. I love that place. Yes. Fifty bucks. That's a hundred. That's a hundred and fifty bucks. So there, we're already at five hundred rounds. But you still got. So now yeah, I have, have five rounds of golf. Five hundred bucks. For, There's a lot of good golf still to be played. Three, three rounds of golf for five hundred bucks. I'm going for sure. Rustic Canyon. So now I'm at five seventy four. Mm-hmm. And I have two rounds left. So Rust Pasa Presidio Rustic Canyon. Uh, I would probably do. This you're gonna laugh at this. I would probably do. Uh, my home course. It's the it's a it's a semi private club, so it's like Pasatiempo where you pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I assume I'm paying the full rate, which the full rate would be 150 bucks. So that puts me at 724 with one round left, and I have 250 dollars to spend on the last round. And I'm gonna spend it at Northwood two times, so that'll be 34 times two, which 68, is whatever. 68 buckaroos. Uh, sixty-eight dollars, sixty-eight buckaroos. So that brings me. I think in it's fifty bucks. And a little more than eight hundred dollars. So you got you got plenty. Of, oh, perfect. You so got plenty of money to spend in. at the bar at Northwood afterwards. Oh, for sure, one of my favorite bars in the world. Uh, but yes, that was the way I break it down. It'd be Pasa Campo, Steel Canyon, Rustic Canyon, Presidio, and Northwoods. That would be the way I would do it. Yeah, uh, it's great. I mean, it's a great fucking list, man. It's, it's a, lot, a lot of great golf courses on there. I, uh, it's funny, man. When when uh, the OC Duck put this put this question up, my immediate thought was, all right, is there any way I can play Pebble and Pasa and, like, have enough money to get three rounds of golf in literally anywhere else? And the answer was no. Uh, Pebble is increasing their greens fees uh, beginning on April 1, and I'm using kind of their, the rates they have published for this summer if they can. So uh, I believe at the end of March, beginning of April of 2023, Pebbles Greens fees are going to increase to $625 to walk. Now, 
625 to play Pebble, 350 to play Pasa. That leaves us with $25 for our other three rounds of golf. Couldn't do yep. it. Like I, I couldn't find you know three rounds of golf to three different golf courses anywhere that I could play for twenty five bucks if we're still using, you know, the peak green fee. Now, what I will say is, uh, there are opportunities throughout the year, both at Pebble and at Pasatiempo, where you can play those golf courses for less than the advertised green fee if you're an NCGA member. Um, Pebble always runs a couple specials in like January, February. Uh, that maybe takes that price tag, you know, knocks it down a hundred bucks, maybe even down 150 bucks. Um, and so, if you're going to play that game, then I feel like you'd have to play Pebble and Pasatiempo and scrap together the other ones. But for the sake of this exercise, I ba- basically everybody just has to choose between Pebble Beach and Pasatiempo, which I think, and it sounds to me like you would at least agree with Pasa. Very clearly, the two best public golf courses in the state of California. Is that is that fair to say? For okay. sure. Yeah, without doubt. Been lucky enough to play them both. They're for sure the two best yeah, public, so it's like public options. In the you kind of have to choose one or the other, and then based on which one you choose, if you choose Pasatiempo, you still got 650 bucks to play with for your other four rounds of golf. If it's Pebble, then you've got 375 bucks for your other. Now, you can't really go wrong either way. You know, because, I mean, either way your five is built around a legitimate all-timer uh i think if you put a gun to my head i think i'd follow in your footsteps i think i probably would play pasatiempo uh just because it gives me so much more money to play with for the other rounds of golf now the real the rub for me is there's a lot of great golf like the golf courses that i think i'd probably want to play most that are public none of them are that expensive like you know, like realistically, I mean, yep, exactly. You mentioned Rustic Canyon at seventy four bucks. Northwood is thirty four dollars. Soul Park up in Ojai is forty nine dollars during peak season. Great. Like, dude, you could put all three of like those are three of my favorite golf courses in California. Period. Public, private, and you could play all three of those for what, what, what's the total we just looked there? If, if if you play eighteen at Northwood, it's fifty bucks. Fifty plus forty nine ninety nine, but one hundred seventy three bucks to play those three golf courses if you're playing in peak season for all for that's pretty awesome you know that that gives you like 800 bucks for the other ones but unfortunately 800 is not enough for Tiempo and pebble but as i mentioned before if you can find deals with those two and you can get pebble and pasa for 820 dollars or less then that would be my five pebble Tiempo, soul park rustic canyon northwood if we're playing by the rules, I think I'd probably have to go something like Pasatiempo. Now, you actually might be able to help me out here. I've never played either course at Torrey Pines. But I've been led to believe that the north course at Torrey Pines yep. is super fun. Is 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 that is that fair to say? Would, would that be North course is North course North course is super fun. Skip them both for this list. You're skipping okay. them both. Okay. As somebody that has not played either the one. The north course is much more fun than the North Course is more fun than the South, but fuck. Okay, okay, that's fair. Because I mean, I'm I'm just trying to think. Like, you know, I I feel like maybe I'd play it just for the sake of you know putting it on my list of places I play just to see it for myself. Um, now, out of curiosity, my friend, you mentioned it. What's uh what's a course that you would play in San Diego for your for your list? I put Steel Canyon on there. Okay. Would be one. That's just my home okay. course, so that's the one that I would like to play. Uh, there's 
a couple other awesome public golf courses in San Diego that I'm kind of just like. Well, I know Barona, Barona is one that, right I, now that I thought about putting on there, but I, I I don't know off the top of my head what Barona Bar- Barona Creek, right? Is that not? Is that? It's yeah, not, Barona Creek. It's, that's a great place. I've heard nothing but good things. I think the greens fees down there are probably somewhere in the two hundred dollar range. Uh, if you're looking at peak season. I think it's a little less. Could be a little less. I think it's like 160 bucks okay. in peak season, uh, so not bad. A place up here in Northern California that is really popular, a lot of people love to play, uh, is the golf course at the Cash Creek Casino. It's called Yochadihi. Um, peak season green fees out there are usually around 175 bucks. I wouldn't include it on my list because it's not necessarily my favorite, but the course is always in fucking awesome shape, uh, and a lot of people really enjoy it. Um, for the sake of this list, if I have to keep everything... At peak season rates, it's probably going to be something along the lines of Pasa Tiempo, Spyglass, Rustic Canyon, Soul Park, Northwood for me, and that brings me just a just a little bit under under your thousand bucks. God, I love that list. I love that list too. It's a perfect yeah, list. I mean, you know, I, I thought your list was really good as well. <laughs> I mean, there's just a, the thing is, man. That's why. That's why there's I, almost a thousand golf courses in the state. Like, there's there's just so much fucking good golf here, and a lot of good public golf. Now, granted, also a lot of great private golf. Um, but yeah, uh, OC Duck, great question, man. Really, really great question. Um, great question, OC Duck. Great question. Okay. OC Duck. Second to last one here for you. This one is actually a personal one for me. I had a situation occur that I need your two cents on. We can keep this one pretty brief, but I did need a golf aficionado like yourself to give me. You know, to, to weigh in and see who's in the right here. So let me set a scene for you here, Mr. Durr. Last year at the big tournament that we host at Bannon the weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, we had a 56-person tournament divided into flights. Guys, you know, teams of two were playing, you know, matches against the other all the other teams in their flights. Very similar to a format you'd play at a member guest, right? And me and my partner... We're playing against the you know the other two golfers in our group. One of those two golfers is one of my closest friends, you know, lifelong friend that I've been close with, quite literally since we were infants. You know, our parents were friends. I love this man. All right, but this moron lost his pitching wedge about two weeks before we left for Bannon. Couldn't find a replacement. Okay, I let him use an old pitching wedge that I had from my old like Mizuno uh, Mizuno set, but they're like offset. Super game improvement irons. He just fucking hated it. So he just he put it in his bag and he never hit it the whole time. Fast forward to about five or six holes in into the tournament or in, into the round that we're playing, and he's like, "Oh man, oh I fucking just wish I had a pitching wedge right now. I just I God I'm just like so off my number. I don't know what to choke down." And he looked at me. He's like, "Hey man, I, does does anybody have a pitching wedge I can hit?" Like he looked at me. He looked around. He's like. Is anybody and again, this is not a formal like NC you know, this is obviously we're we're playing for like prizes and you know, like guys can have money games, you know, in their different groups, whatever, but like it's not like super, super serious. Some guys take it more seriously than others. But he just looked around the group, he's like, Hey, guys, I hate to be a fucking asshole. I cannot hit this fucking pitching wedge that I have in my bag. The the does anybody have a, a different pitching wedge that I could at least just try to hit? And I said, Yeah. I said, dude. Honestly, man, we're just out here to have fun. Take my pitching wedge. It's probably, you know, the sight lines on it, the profile of it's probably a lot more similar to your irons than it is, you know, what you've got in there. So my dude takes my pitching wedge, and he proceeds to hit the ball to, like, a foot and a half on a par three, taps in for birdie, beats us. 
me, my partner especially, is like, damn, that was not sick, but that's just a really fucking good shot. What are you going to do? Fast forward, like, another hole or two. Another thing comes up. He looks around and goes, guys, I don't want to be a dick, but I'm right at that fucking yardage. I need to hit a pitching wedge again. And I was like, uh, yeah, dude. Take it, take it. Like I, I, I shouldn't have even like. I was just like, dude, yeah, go ahead, take the pitching wedge. I, I at the time, I really didn't give a shit. I was like, hey man, I want you to play well. I know you're playing against you, but like, I want everybody out here to have a good time. You know, it. Fuck it, yeah, hit the pitching wedge. He proceeds to hit that one to like fucking six inches. Taps in for another birdie. Fast forward another two holes. We're in the fairway somewhere. <laughs> he turns around, and looks at me, goes, dude, um. Do you think I could use... And my fucking teammate runs out from the other side of the fairway, looks at me and goes, Serlo, don't you fucking dare give him that goddamn fucking pitching wedge again. We are two down. He's going to fucking pure it. I d- no, absolutely not. Do not give him the fucking pitching wedge anymore. And I was like, all right, dude, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you my pitching wedge to hit a second shot with. I want to see what you're going to do first. My partner has, has, has literally put put the kibosh on me letting you borrow my pitching wedge. And he hits a shot. It's okay. I give him my pitching wedge for him to do the second shot. Dude puts it to like a foot again. And then finally, after he does it, <laughs> my partner, I fucking love him so much. Bench, if you're listening, I love you, buddy. He goes, dude, Give me that fucking pitching wedge. It goes in my bag now. If you need to use your pitching wedge, Serlo, you come get it from me. Otherwise, it's not going in this guy's hand anymore. We're too fucking down with, like, three to play. This is just completely unacceptable. And I get where he's coming from, but I ask you, Christer, should I have even let my dude hit my pitching wedge to begin with, and how should I have handled this going forward? Well, first things first. You should not have let him use your pitching wedge. Everyone's got to use their own clubs. <laughs> Don't let him use your pitching wedge, dude. Fuck that. No, you can't touch my clubs, dude. Get out of here. Uh, especially on the opposite team, bro. What's wrong with you, dude? If my partner wanted to use my pitching wedge, so, I'd be like, here you maybe, go. Maybe a little, the, uh, the, here, the frenemies, here, Here's dude? like a little bit more of a background. My buddy is like a 10 handicap. He's never. I don't think he's ever shot in lower than like an 83 or an 84 anywhere abandoned. Like good golf, like good, not great golfer, but like good loves golf. And at the time, I'm like me and my partner. I think we were like a five and a six, and him and his partner were a ten and a thirteen. And we were. I think we were playing. Basically, we were giving them strokes, but we weren't giving them too many strokes. And we. I mean, we're very much better golfers than they were. I felt confident that we were going to be able to beat them even with the strokes, and. Those two fucking shots here with our pitching wedge pretty much ended up being the difference in the match, and we fucking lost. And my teammate was understandably like, dude, Sir Law, I love you, but I'm going to have to sort through a lot of feelings after what happened today. I don't know how to, I don't know how to process all this. And now I, I felt guilty for months, and I need, I need someone to tell me how much I fucked. To what degree did I fuck up? You shouldn't have let him borrow the pitching wedge. Also, that guy's a piece of shit for asking more than once. <laughs> Like, no, you can't, like, <laughs> no, dude, what, like. Uh, well, that's good. That's good. I, I, oh, I, 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 I have a tough time saying no to my friends. I, I, I really do. I, I, of course. I, d- I would, too. I would in that situation, too. But, uh, honestly, my competitive juices would get flowing. And I'd be like, no, dude, you cannot use my club, dude. You're the enemy. I can't. You're my frenemy right now. I can't. Use your partner's pitching wedge. 
Use that one. He's got one over there. Go use his. Uh, I would not. I would. I would turn it on that. And then, uh, also, dude, who where does this guy get off just using your? Cl- it's like it's like what if he asked you to use your driver on every tee shot? He's like, I don't like my driver. Let me use yours. You'd be like, what the hell, dude? Just yeah. hit yours. It's in your it's bag. Tough <laughs> scene. All right, we we have a consensus. Well, I'll tell you what, brother. Um, we were gonna do one more, but I just realized that we're we're right out of time. So I gotta let you go. Wait, I I think it's 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 both of our bedtimes. So I think uh, we're gonna cut it right there. But I'm this will not be the last time that we get together to do this. Uh, very much looking forward to maybe you know jumping back on you know this podcast here with you once every couple months, and uh, I'm really looking forward to being able to catch up. And we gotta play some golf soon as well, brother. I'm I'm planning on being up in the Bay Area soon. If you're ever in San Diego, let me know, dude. But yeah, always a pleasure to to catch up, dude. This was fun, man. I will uh, I will talk to you. Yep, you got it, brother. And that's it, folks. Thank you again to Mr. Durr for his time. I hope you guys all have a great weekend. I hope you're enjoying the Players' Championship. And uh, one last thing. This podcast was proudly presented to you by Suave Golf. Uh, If you're unfamiliar with Suave Golf, uh, we organize golf trips. Golf trips to really kick-ass places. Uh, We usually have really fun, moderately casual tournaments. just ways to mix things up you know we, we get a, a large collection of humans together that all have a shared interest in just playing really fun golf uh and, and traveling to beautiful places and then we organize them all so all you got to do is just decide whether you want to go on a cool golf trip or not you head to suavegolf.com you register and you're ready to rock and roll it, it's almost we try to make it as if you just had a buddy like me uh who obsesses over golf travel and then, you know, has the time to just meticulously put a trip together. And then instead of that, you know, person just leaving those trips open to him and a couple of his buddies, uh, we leave them open to all of you. So if you guys are interested in taking a golf trip with me and Suave Golf, I invite you guys to go check out suavegolf.com. We have a couple spots left for our trip to Gamble Sands in north central Washington at the beginning of May. And we've got uh, plenty of spots left for the Pine Haven event where we are going to be traveling to Southern Pines, North Carolina. And uh, we're not going to the Pinehurst Resort. Uh, After my my reconnaissance trip last year, I found the best value and certainly the best hang uh, that I found in the region was at Pine Needles uh, Golf Club and Lodge. That is where we're going to be staying. We're going to be playing Pine Needles, uh, site of last year's U.S. Women's Open, as well as Mid Pines and Southern Pines. And now we're going to be doing a very fun little three-day tournament along with it. We're going to have breakfast, dinners, all that kind of good stuff. And not to mention some very very cool tea prizes that I've been working on and uh, working with a a local artist who, uh, yeah, just makes something really special for everybody that's coming out. So if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, please check out SwapGolf.com. I'm done rambling. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. We'll be back with you soon. And until then, adios. Adios.